You're listening to episode 73 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough comics in our daily lives. Listen, I wouldn't say this to his face, but a friend of the show, Chris Sabella, I was looking at his March Madness bracket and gotta tell you, it's not very good. He has the Chicago Bulls winning. That doesn't even make sense. I would never say that to his face. Is it because his face isn't on the Skype Skype chat? <sighs> Am I pretending to not be here still? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chris is here. Well, what? <laughs> what? So Luke came out of the woodwork to defend the Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Michael Jordan. No, I have no no stake in that. <laughs> Shocking. I don't even know what that is. I once tripped on acid when the Bulls won a, one of their championships. That was kind of interesting, but that's as good a thing as I have to say about the Bulls. When would that have been? That that that's like ninety six. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, one of those. I don't know. I I didn't intend for it to happen. Um, I didn't even know they were playing a playoff game. I just happened to take LSD, and then uh, and then there were a bunch of people out on the street screaming and honking their horns. So, are you sure that was really happening? I swear, there was a sober person with me. So, okay. So wait, you didn't you didn't see the game or know it was happening until everybody was out celebrating in the streets? Yeah, no, I had been you know just like blissfully. <laughs> tripping uh doing doing other trippy things uh even if i hadn't been tripping i wouldn't have known so that that makes that experience so much better just the idea that you and your friend are just like out like enjoying your trip and then all of a sudden it's just like insane party in the streets everyone's going wild yeah where did all these people come from i was definitely inside uh because that was always my safe spot like uh but then as soon as i saw that i was like I remember telling my friend, I was like, dude, people on LSD, like, wish for stuff like this to happen. Like, <laughs> we have to go out. So, because, uh, yeah, he didn't care about sports either. But uh, I was like, well, if I'm tripping, like, this seems like the best time to go enjoy a bunch of lunkheads, like, running through the streets. <laughs> that sounds like it'd be horrifying. No, it was kind of nice and mellow. Like, uh, I was I was very close to home. So, no matter what happened, I knew. I could get back to my safe space. I guess I'm imagining like a Phillies celebration. <laughs> no, like, no. Can you can imagine? No, if you're high on acid and cars are being flipped outside and people are climbing Shit's poles. On fire. Yeah, that's like I'd be into that. Greased up poles. Too. Yeah, yeah. I'm, but no, it was very low key. Everybody, because it, it was like the second or third time they had won. So I think everybody was just like, "Oh yeah, this thing again." This is part of everyday life here. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I don't even know how we got on that, but hey, that was my intro, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, contrary to what you might believe currently, this is not uh, the Drug Pals or even the uh, Basketball Pals. This is the Comics Pals. And we are extremely happy to have Christopher Sabella joining us. Um, he's a big, quickly becoming a superstar writer in the industry. And I do want to say, you know, this all started to take place after we had him on the show. I just want to, you know, course. put that out there. Yeah, we, no, I, you know, I heard we, you guys <laughs> taking credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, credit such a, such a loose 
term that we, you know, we feel like we can throw it around. That, why do you think I'm back so soon? Like, as soon as I heard your interview with Ted and Roe, I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to have to go in and, like, clear up the record. <laughs> So, yeah, please explain to everyone how we made your career. Yeah, no, it's as good an explanation as anything. Uh, I certainly don't have a better one. There you go. Uh, So, Chris is, I mean, the writer behind Heartthrob, which I am in love with still. Uh, Shanghai Red, which is coming out really soon. Uh, Crowded, which is coming out really soon. And last week, as he mentioned, we had Ted and Roe on, who are the... uh, the artistic creative team behind that book. Uh, so handling the visuals on that one. Um, Cold War, which is out now. Cold War 1 and 2. Uh, congratulations, Chris. It's It's been incredible this last sort of six months for you. How, how are you feeling about everything that's kind of going on right now? Uh, I feel good about it. Like, I... I- I knew this was coming. So like uh, the last uh, few months of like 2017, I was just like, can we get through this? Like, I just want to like, cause I knew like that Shanghai was getting ready to announce. Um, and like Eric had already, I think talked to us and said like, we'll hold off on announcing it till image expo. Um, and I knew crowded was going to like, we were going to have our first three issues done. So that was going to happen. And like a new cold i I just like i knew all this stuff was going to happen so it's just been like kind of just like cooling my jets and waiting for the time i could actually talk about it so it feels like it's a relief now that like okay yes i can talk about the uh you know the three announced books i have coming out and like the other book yeah it's just like okay good now i can just like blab about it constantly (laughs) <laughs> which I'm much better at. Yeah, uh, it's it's incredible. What was it like for you to be at the Image Expo and get to sort of announce these books alongside so many incredible creators that were also there announcing the titles that they were working on? It was uh, super, super weird. Um, <laughs> like, I met Todd McFarlane for the first time, and he, like, sort of low-key became my my buddy during the show. It was super, like, yeah, it was just really, like, Todd, like, I was sitting on the couch just, like, because we were all downstairs while the announcements were starting, and I was sitting there, like, just trying to collect myself, and Todd, like, comes over, he's like, hey, you were going to be on a panel together, Chris, so if, any difficult questions that come through, like, what Spider-Man's web is made of. I'm just going to throw those to you. Uh, and I was like, uh, okay, Todd. Uh, it was like, I was like, you're Todd McFarlane. Like, why are you talking to me? And then later he was like, you know, of, of all the pictures in the expo guide, like you have the coolest picture. And I was like, okay. Like, uh, um, yeah, like that part, it, it was just like weird, like that, that level of it of like, Hey, I'm sitting in a room And I'm like, sort of like for right this moment, I'm on the same level as a Todd McFarlane, like Robert Kirkman is sitting next to me on the couch talking about how he read my clown motel zine. Like, (laughs) so that level was super weird. And then, you know, the actual like announcing stuff was just terrifying to me. Um, I literally, I almost threw up before it wasn't like directly before I went on, but it was, you know, like earlier, um, and like I, I just knew uh, it was, and I had been joking about it, and then all of a sudden I just like felt that like sudden vomit feeling, and I was like, oh no, like, uh, 
<laughs> so luckily, like, and I, I mean, I got to the point where like, I like had to tell a friend of mine, I was like, hold on one second. I think I might throw up. Um, and then walked over to the trash can and I was like, please don't throw up. Like, uh, I mean, better here than on stage, but still like, so if I don't want to throw up in front of Todd, I just don't want to throw up. Like there's just like, I know there's something cleansing about it, but also it's just like, Oh yeah, that dude threw up in the trash can over there. Like (laughs) (laughs) you, you would have been immortalized though. It's like, yeah. Amongst guy next to Todd McFarlane throws up on stage. Uh, No, it certainly would have made for an interesting story, but I don't, I don't want to be, I'm already the clown motel dude. I don't want to be the like, Threw up in a trash can, dude, too. Um, so, yeah. And then the announcement itself, like, I, I have very little memory of. Um, I just got up there, and there's, like, at the base of the stage, there's a little clock that is ticking down from five minutes. And then they show, like, the image of whatever they're projecting on the screen behind you. So, I just kind of, like, stared at that and just kept talking until it was over. And then I left. Um so, so yeah, like I'm just I'm not used to publicly announcing books or like being, you know, the, the closest I get is like being on a panel, and then you know it's like you're not the center of attention ever, except for when you're talking, and even then. Um, so yeah, it was just like, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I'm glad it's over. Like that was, but in retrospect, like that was the easy part. Like now we have to do all the outreach and talking to retailers and trying to ensure that people actually buy our book. So, uh, it was like the best moment and I don't remember any of it. So that was cool. (laughs) (laughs) Have you, uh, have you watched any like video of it or anything like that? No, fortunately there is none. Like they, Oh, okay. Like they live streamed (laughs) it on Twitch and apparently like the Twitch commenters were all being super racist. So I'm glad I didn't see that. Oh, Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Like what people on Twitch being racist? Um, but yeah, there's no like archives of it. And I'm like, good. I don't, I don't care. Like <laughs> uh, apparently whatever I said was like good enough that like people got a good reaction out of it. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's all I need. I don't, I don't need a keepsake of that. I I have my badge. Like that's how I'll remember the day I became Todd McFarlane's best friend. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get to see the live stream, but uh, we did get to see the artwork from these books. You know, the little snippets that were shown. Right. And both Crowded and Shanghai look phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Really, really blown away by um, by the art. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about, uh, first, I guess, what it's been like working with uh, Ted, Brandt, and Rose Stein from Crowded? Uh, yeah, it's been great. It's been, uh, I don't, you know, I liked their stuff before I started working with them, but the, the stuff they're doing on crowded is it's like, so next level. I did. I wasn't like anticipating what they were going to do on this book. Like, cause they're really going for it. And like every, every page I get is just a delight. Like they, uh, you know, they do body language so well, they do expressions so well, they do violence really well. Um, and like, yeah, this book is just like, it, it, it it's a really dark subject, but it, it, you know, like we're definitely approaching it with a sense of humor. Um, and I think working with Ted and Rowe is just like upped 
the sense of humor portion of it. So, um, but that was like one of my big inspirations. And I like when I thought about it to myself in terms of crowded, uh, like my two big inspirations were the movie, uh, midnight run. Um, and, uh, the movie, the rundown, like these two movies about, you know, like sort of a, a voice of law and order and the person that they're sort of dragging with them and how things go completely awry. Um, so yeah, like Ted and Roe are just so perfectly suited to that. They just make everything uh, look even better than, and then they like add more pages and they add more. It's, it's crazy. Like I've never, <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I was going to ask you about that. Cause they mentioned last week that I think they said for issue three that they, they wanted to ask you about adding like two pages. To yeah. It or something which like actually, that. yeah. I mean, well, they wanted to add one page, but then to preserve like the page turns that I had written, we had to add another page on top of that. So yeah, they'll do stuff like that. I'll send them like a six panel page as a script and it'll come back with 14 panels. And it's like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, I, I, like I love it, but it's also just like, I've never seen like, I've, I've definitely worked with artists who have busted out like three additional panels. I've never like worked with artists who have like, Hey, we're going to double the panel count that you gave us. Hope that's cool. And they're always like, we hope that's cool with you. And I'm like, what are you kidding me? Like, this is, this is my dream come true. Um, so yeah, like, and they, they have really smart ideas about the book. Like, you know, they're, they're as much creators of the story and the world as I am. So yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of a perfect, it's one of those perfect working relationships in comics where it's just like, we all get along. We all have the same sensibilities. And like, I think we're all sort of pushing each other to do the best work we've done up until now. That's all well and good. And you've said all the nice things. Now give us all the <laughs> dirt on Ted and Ro. <laughs> uh, well, they live in England. So like they're like when they wake up, Haha, <laughs> fuck the monarchy. <laughs> it's very expensive in England, so yeah. Um, but like, yeah, like our schedules are like totally flip-flopped, but that's about the worst I can say about them. Um, also, they're like, like just, uh, I think they're just not as confident as they should be. Like, I think those two should be like, just like out there and like fucking just owning it and being like, yep, we are going to blow your fucking shit away when you see this, but nobody's seen it yet. So, but I feel like, like as soon as this comes out, like people are going to be like, holy shit, where did they come from? Made by the comics pals. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Another success story for you guys. <laughs> exactly. Well, it, it's funny too, that you say that. Cause I, I saw the other day, uh, Ted posted this like really great, PC was working on. He's like, you know, I really have a long way to go as an inker, and my my hand isn't as steady as I want. It's like, man, you're fine. Like, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I get it, but it's also like, I'm like, dude, like, you're super impressive. Like, uh, I think uh, our editor Juliet, she, um, she actually had like run into Liam Sharp, and she showed him some of the first issue. And so she like reported back that he said it was like, very impressive and that he wants to see more. And like Ted was just like aghast, like what? Like, <laughs> um, he's like, I don't know what to say. And it's like, dude, like 
you are impressive. Like, and you know, everybody's going to be saying this about you when the book comes out. Cause like, it just looks phenomenal. So, um, yeah, hopefully it'll come out and they'll realize like, Oh yeah, we're actually really, really good at this. So are you saying these things because you know that they have like a, a crossbow and that they're ready to use it? <laughs> no, I just found that out. Uh, <laughs> But I have an ice axe in in my office, so uh, oh, I'm not worried. Yeah, like I hate it when there's a civil war between creators. See, I'm not going <laughs> to go after them because they have the distance advantage. I'll just exactly. make them come to me, and then yeah, like ice axe, it has like a blade on both ends. So I mean, if you could throw the axe, you could probably hit them. Uh, it's not really a throwing axe. It's <laughs> like it's, come on, Pete. It only works on ice. <laughs> yeah, it's more aluminum, so you really gotta like want it to, you know, bury itself in somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a gamble you just can't take with a short range weapon like that. It's true, fair. So, what about Shanghai Red? Can you talk to us a little bit about that book? Yeah, that's uh, that's a thing that like I've been working on since. I mean, it's been four years now. Um, because I remember it was after Emerald City 2014. Uh, Declan Shalvey and Jordi Belair, who had been at the show, they'd come to Portland for a couple days. And Jordi and I are big ghost nerds. Like, we we love that show, Ghost Adventures. Um, and we just, like, yeah, we just, like, sort of love that, like, weird ghost bro culture. Um so so when they were coming I, I was like hey we should go to the Shanghai tunnels because like one it was in an episode of Ghost Adventures and two um, you know it's supposed to be haunted so like we can go and see ghosts um, so yeah this this historical society here does tours of the Shanghai tunnels or at least this very small stretch of it that's still left and you have to like everybody meets at this restaurant called Hobos um, and then, appropriate. yeah, yeah. And then basically they open up. It's like in uh, New York City, you know, those uh, those gates on the sidewalk that lead down to the basement. Um, like they have a set of those out in front of the restaurant. So they open that up and it goes right down into the tunnels. Um, and it's just this weird dark space. And they go through sort of a historical explanation of like what shanghai was and how portland was kind of the shanghai capital of the world at one point um and then they show you you know some examples of like how the tunnels were used and basically no ghost stuff but by the time we came out of came out like i had the opening of the book in my head like i had the idea of like this character being told like, Hey, your contract is up. Like we stole you, but now here's your chance. You can either like come work for us or we'll dump you, you know, in Shanghai and good luck getting home. And this, this sailor, like their response being to kill every other sailor on the boat and turn it around and being like, I'm going back to Portland and I'm going to find everybody responsible for putting me on that boat. And from there, it was like, yeah, I mean, I, and I was just like, well, that, you know, like, I love revenge stories, uh, but, you know, like, so many of them are just, I, I, I'd never, I'd never done one that was, like, historical in nature, 
And that sort of period of time felt fascinating to me because it was like, it wasn't the old West anymore, but it wasn't like the modern era. Like nobody, it's this period of time where like people are still using horses to get around and like cars are like just being introduced as these weird contraptions. So, um, yeah, it just felt like a really ripe, uh, setting to do, to do a revenge story in. And, and, you know, it was like living in Portland. I, I, I just like, it was kind of a love letter to Portland, but like a love letter to like all the messed up stuff about Portland that nobody here talks about. To the spooky side. Yes. <laughs> when you said ghost bros, I pictured a bunch of ghosts named Chad, like longing after the natty ice they can no longer drink. Man, uh, uh, someday <laughs> I will tell you about, like, I literally have a book that is that, um, that uh is coming out uh i don't know it might be at the end of this year it might be sometime next year but basically we were going to call it ghost bros and then lorne michaels trademarked the word so we can and that was the one title i was never worried about i was like oh ghost bros nobody's ever gonna like steal that and then and then he fucking (laughs) trademarks it and it's like so you can't even like use it like Because, you know, most titles are just like, oh, well, you know, you can't trademark a title, but you can trademark a word that's a new word. Uh, So, yeah, he stole Ghost Bros from me. All your funny ideas belong to me now. That's my my As good as, you know, (laughs) who the fuck knows what that dude sounds like, except for you, you, apparently. Yeah, (laughs) I was just going to say, like... How do you, Chris, how do you feel about Chad Parishions? I don't know who that is. Oh, I just got it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I don't like it. I'm not a fan. So, thumb, thumbs down. <laughs> I understand. Listen, just trying to help. <laughs> save, save the names for figurative titles for Apples and Origins, my dude. That's a good title, Apples and Origins. I like that. That's our game that we play. Oh, I forgot that's the name of it. Okay. I remember the game. I just don't remember the name. <laughs> He's one of the winners brackets. He doesn't need to know the name of the game. He defined the game. Yeah, <laughs> I won twice. That's true. Um, hey, I have a question about the short order crooks, uh, Harper Murray's uh, BBQ jackfruit tacos. Uh huh. Are they really good? I I mean I I don't have them as tacos, but yeah, I've made it and I enjoy it. How do you have them? I just like have it as like a, as like a barbecue plate. Like, um, it's just like, you know, having like a bowl of like pulled pork or something. Um, you can have it any old way you like. Well, yeah, I'm kind I'm of hungry. In, I'm kind of into it. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, uh, it was like the one vegan recipe that I know because I am totally not a vegetarian. Um, but. That was like, oh, I've done this. I, I can uh, I can at least vouch for this. Like every recipe I have in there, I can vouch for, um, which is why there isn't one like in the last issue because um, it was supposed to be a really impressive recipe and I've never made uh, anything that impressive. So um, I also have another question here, and this is from Yahoo Answers. I was wondering if you can help this random person out. Do you think you're up to it? Yeah. Okay. Totally. So this is from James Russell's, and they they raised the question: <clears throat> I swallowed an ice cube whole, and I haven't pooped it out. I'm really scared. Is it stuck? 
Can you hit the options um, out? No. <laughs> I feel like nobody can. Like, I feel like anybody asking answers on Yahoo Answers is beyond a certain level of help. But James is really beyond help. Um, There's no help for James. Also, I feel like that's. He's probably faking it. Like, I feel like. Sorry, James. James is actually not as stupid as he's presenting himself to be. He could be dead. Sure. When was that posted? Like, <laughs> By this point. I don't know. Let's see. Uh, oh, it just says three months ago. He could be dead. I kind of thought they shut down Yahoo Answers. Like, I can't believe it still exists, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like, it just feels like, well, here's just a place built for trolls. Um <laughs> And like twelve year olds who yeah. are genuinely looking for help. Really stupid <laughs> children and yeah, grown adults who just like to harass people. <laughs> so speaking of short order crooks, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we we've talked about how the comics pals have really co- kind of uh, boosted uh Sabella's career and all right, you know, all right. in Come honor on. of us uh, <laughs> once an episode. <laughs> 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 in honor of us, you actually did put us in short order crooks. We do make an appearance. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, in honor of the money that you gave us. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if it was in honor yeah, of Yeah, like, I like you guys, but yeah, let's, yeah. let's be real. I charged you guys money for that. So. What are you talking about? That was totally pro bono. Uh-huh. That was, yeah, my, my work on that book was totally pro bono. So, uh, in a way, <laughs> you were helping me do more free work. Um, but yes, you helped pay for, you know, uh, uh, several pages of short order crooks. So good on you. So what I'm suggesting is that you should probably just make that a running gag in your <laughs> books and just put us in everything you do. If, if you want to send me the same dollar amount. Yeah. <laughs> Like, just send me the same dollar amount for every new title I launch, for every issue. and I'll find a way to put you in there. I am so ready to do All that. Right. Like, listen, Honestly, it, I, would be, I would be willing to do that. That would be hilarious. Listen, it was hard enough when I was dealing with American currency. Now the whole thing, the conversion rate is, is so fucked up, I, I can't yeah, afford Yeah, didn't that. the Kiwi crash this week? <laughs> a Kiwi crash this week. But you have easy access to Tim Tams, right? Oh, Tim Tams are the best, my friend. So, you know, it's not all bad. That's true. All we get are those, like, those, like, fake versions that they sell at, like, World Plus Market. What's a Tim Tam? Ugh. So, uh, Tim Tam, for uh, you uncultured American listeners, is, uh, it's like a, it's kind of like a chocolate covered, um, uh, almost like uh, those vanilla wafers, you know, that are rectangle and flavorless and utter garbage. These are like wafery, cookie, chocolate covered, amazing. Yes. And you can't have any, so I don't know why we told you about them because you can only get them in Australia and New Zealand. Good luck. Uh, well, you know what? That's okay. I think uh, I think I'll survive without Tim Tam. All right. <laughs> I don't know how. I know what you eat. So, does anybody have any more questions for Chris? Really? You're out? We're going to talk Come about on. cold. Sorry, what was that? <laughs> I was like, you're out of questions already? Well, I, I wanted to give them the space Yikes. to uh, to uh, jump in before I did again because I can chat a lot. Um, I, I wanted to talk about Cold War. So, two, two issues mm-hmm. are out so far. Uh, and it's really interesting because I didn't know what to expect. 
um, before I picked it up because I, I hadn't actually seen any solicits. I just saw the book when I was looking at what to pull and I saw your name and I bought it. That's like, that's just what I do now. So thank um, you for that. I ended up really, really enjoying it. And I had so many questions. Um, what inspired this story? I re- I'm really curious. Um, it was just like a really, uh, literally, it was like a really dark joke I made with a friend at a bar one night. Um, like we were talking about somehow the subject got onto cryonics and, and then, you know, we were talking about it and then I was like, yeah. And then like, wouldn't it be funny if like the moment you get thawed out, like they hand you a gun in a uniform and they're like, Hey, we're at war. Uh, so if you want to stick around, you better uh, get to fighting. And I was like, just like how, like, and it just felt like the ultimate, like dark joke of like, you know, you go through all this, like you already die, you get your head frozen, you wait hundreds of years for science to actually achieve the impossible. And then when it does, like you're fucking thought out as like cannon fodder. Um, it's like all this and you know, like your life still just like comes down to nothing. Um, and uh, like that was the initial sort of thing that hooked me. But then I started thinking about the characters and I wanted to like do, it turns out I didn't realize it. Uh, I've started rewatching lost uh, this week and it turns out that basically I'm kind of doing a bit of a lost thing with cold war. Um, where you have like, you know, these basically like normal people who are thrust into this weird situation. And then we kind of go back and find out what led them to get frozen. And, you know, so many of our, I call them cryonauts, uh, are just like obliterated right off and die along the way. But, uh, there are some who keep surviving and so you know we kind of unpeel every issue we kind of dig into another character and explore like why is this person still around like what advantage did they bring with them from the past uh so yeah it's just been like uh yeah this thing i've been wanting to do for a while i had it greenlit at another publisher for a while and ended up having to take it back because they were only going to give me like four issues and I really needed five. So I've just been kind of dragging it around with me. And then I started talking to aftershock and I sent them that pitch and they were like, we love this. And what do you think about Hayden Sherman? And then I was like, Holy shit. Uh, so, so yeah. And it's all happened like really, really fast. I mean, I, I started talking to them, I mean, probably like a year ago, uh, yeah, so Oh wow. But yeah, um as soon as they showed me Hayden's stuff, I was like uh, I mean at first I was like, I don't know what I'm looking at here. Like they showed me his pages from the few and I was just like nobody draws like this. Um at least like not anybody who's currently like outputting in comics, like uh to that degree, I guess. Um and it's just like and I saw it and I was like, I did not picture Cold War looking like that at all. And something about it was like, that's probably the best reason to do it is I just, I wanted to see what this book looked like with Hayden drawing it. Cause I had no idea what it would look like. I just knew that it would look fucking nuts. And it does like, uh, 
rightfully so i feel like in most of the reviews that we're getting like hayden is getting the lion's share of the compliments and he fucking deserves it because he yeah he just like makes this book his own well, and I, I feel like the art really really plays into the way that you've written the story like you said he has a very like unique kind of different style and there are times where like i feel like um certain like moments in the book i remember feeling like a little um kind of like disorienting which is like yeah, yeah. the same way that the characters are feeling and like obviously they're in like the thick of you know this very very tense combat situation and i think like having the kind of more like sketchy look to a lot of the characters faces or, or just like forms when you're not really focusing on their emotion and like the use of color and everything really plays into the kind of like you know, just general feeling of like being lost. Yeah. I mean, that was the nice thing. Once we started fully working on it, I was like, this like totally plays into what, like I wanted to just like do a story where I do as little as possible to sort of give the reader answers, I guess. Um, yeah. Which I've done a couple times now, but this one, I just wanted it. I wanted that feeling of it being like, what the shit is going on? Um, like I wanted the reader to sort of feel at the same time as the characters were. Uh, so I feel like that's really effective because like, I feel like especially in issue two where you start to kind of drip feed us some of the answers, yeah. like you, I had like a very like aha moment of like, Oh, so that's what's fucking going on. Right. It was enough, like, I was drawn in by, like, the action and, like, the, um, you know, the human element of the first issue. And then I get that little thread to pull me along to the next thing of, like, oh, well, I am interested in, in learning about, like, the next reveal. Yeah. And, you know, I've definitely, I've seen some reviews of people being like, well, I don't know what's going on at all. Um, but I'm going to at least pick up the next two issues to see if I do. And I was like, well, that's not really like, that means I kind of did my job okay. Like if. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> uh, like, and yeah, I'm never, I don't know. Like I, I write, I write books that I want to read. So I don't know. I just like at a certain point, it's like, I, I feel like I want people who want to be along for that ride will stick around and people who don't like won't. And it's cool. Uh, not everything is for everyone. So. I mean, the people that dig our book, like, I'm super happy to have them. Um, and the people who don't, I totally, I mean, I understand why, uh, somebody wouldn't like our book. Um, I disagree, but, uh, I get it. So I'd much rather have like a book that's kind of like polarizing like that. Like Hayden does not draw conventionally, uh, you know, as far as like a lot of mainstream comics go. And, you know, I'm trying to write something that's not. I guess uh, I wouldn't say I'm trying to be unconventional, but you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not as concerned with giving the answers as I am with like exploring these characters uh, and sort of how they fit into this new world. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I, the, we're doing at least five issues that I'm really proud of. So um, yeah, hopefully I can trick Hayden into working with me again at some point. Would uh would you want to go beyond that? Like, do you have a definitive end for the book at five, or like, could you see a a future for it beyond that? I've told Aftershock that, like, yeah, I you know, I definitely think there's more in this world to explore, and just by the nature, I mean, a lot of my 
inspiration for this book was this old Marvel series called Strike Force Mortari, um, which was like this 80s comic about uh, people who basically they'd figured out this scientific process to give people superpowers. But the downside of it was that it could kill you at any time. Um and it was like during this war. So you'd be in the middle of a battle and then like this main character you had been following for the last eight or nine issues just dies. Um, and suddenly it's like, Oh, okay. You know, this side character that's been around, well, they're the new main character now. So now we're going to make you try to like them. Um, and I always just thought that was a really cool concept. And that was like my initial inspiration was like, I wanted to have characters that like, I wanted to make you like at least like sort of get involved with them and know them. And then I wanted to take them away from you. Yeah. And I mean, without spoiling anything, I think um, the ways that you have done that in this book were super compelling for me. Um, Cause that was, you know, it was obviously shocking, you know, it's yeah. like you haven't established the rules for the world yet, you know? And like, Oh, like, are these, like, obviously I saw a bunch of no-name mooks die, but are the characters you're actually giving names on the chopping block? Like, you don't know. And then to see that just happen and then be like, oh, yeah, no, like, we're going in a totally different direction than I thought we were. And there's a whole other narrative kind of underneath the surface. Um, that's, that's compelling. You know, that's, that is what is going to keep you engaged in something, I think. Yeah, that's what I was hoping. And like, I felt like very much like that first issue is like something I normally would not write. Like it's a, you know, an issue that stars like this supreme, like macho, like tough guy. Um, and those are not like the people I tend to write about. I, I just, yeah. So that was like an interesting, like I'm getting to like write from all these different perspectives while I sort of have this big weirder story that I'm doing. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know. Like right now I feel like stupidly lucky that I get to do all this stuff with all these like really amazing artists. I mean, you've been busy this year. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, well, I've been busy, like, you know, this all kind of started last year. I mean, I had a freak out, uh, like in late January of last year where I was like, I had just finished injustice ground zero and I was like, Oh shit. I don't have anything like lined up after this. And DC, you know, hasn't called to offer me anything to follow this up. So I was like, Oh no, what do I do? Um, <laughs> I was just like, uh, I, I had gotten so comfortable with, uh, you know, like you're writing 24 issues of this. So like for the next 24 weeks, you're set. That's half a year. Like, so it's like half a year of like steady money. And I was like, Oh, cool. So I just like let a lot of like my pitches and stuff slide. So I had about five or six of them that were, you know, maybe like 70% done, but I just never finished. So I had my freak out and then I got to work on those pitches. And like one of them was crowded. Um, one was cold war. Uh, one was, uh, House of Muck, which is a book I just got announced at Black Crown. Uh, and one is a book that's like, uh, gonna be coming out from Vault next year. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was like, I just, it was a panic thing, but it, I, it made me realize like, I have to, I can't just like rest on my laurels. I have to, you know, it's the freelancer's curse of like, I, I have to start thinking about what am I, what am I gonna be doing in 2019? 
it sounds like you've got a lot uh, coming down the pipe, and uh, there's no slowing and or stopping your train. So hopefully, yeah, we're all yeah, like we're all really excited uh, here on this show. You know, we joke around and stuff, but genuinely, we're fans of what you. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, and um, yeah, and uh, so you know, especially coming this summer. I mean, you've got two books that we're really looking forward to. And so many things. I'm sure there's things you can't even talk about yet. So, like, just keep doing what you're doing. And I, I really honestly see um, an even brighter future for you going forward. So, and thank you for, you know, continuing to come oh, on. Oh, yeah, us. yeah. No, I, yeah. I, you know, I mean, a lot of it is selfish for me because, like, I spend so much time sitting in my house talking to no one. So, it's like... Oh, I get to talk to like five people. Sure. Yeah. yeah. S- sign me up. Um, like that's more socializing than I do in an entire like week. So let's do it. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I, I, I don't know. Like, uh, I, I'm just like, I'm, I'm still like, frankly, like weirded out that like, oh, people actually want to like talk to me. Um, so. <laughs> I mean, like, in a podcast sense, not in a just, like, general sense. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to oh, I know that feeling in, like, a general sense. I'm not that um, insecure. I, I, I don't know if we got to ask you this, because I don't, I, don't, I don't think this happened last time you were on the show yet. Uh, how do you celebrate the uh, heartthrob being uh, optioned for a TV show? Oh, I mean, I tweeted about it, and that was about it. Like, um... <laughs> It's it's Hollywood. Yeah, and then got back to I mean, uh, work, the, the, the thing like <laughs> the only reason I made a big announcement about it is because I just like I know that that like helps boost sales on books and like at no point was I like oh this is totally gonna happen because it's Hollywood stuff and that stuff like rarely happens but sometimes you can use that stuff to your advantage and like get some more eyes on a book that you know you really love but that you know probably. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I make no secret about the fact that like heartthrob isn't my best selling book by a long shot, but it's definitely like probably the book that I care the most about. Um, so, so yeah, I, I'm not above exploiting, uh, things like that to, uh, to get more eyes on my, on my book. Yeah, I mean that's the whole point of doing it, right? I mean, obviously it'd be nice if it gets optioned and you make some yeah, money off yeah. of it too. But I mean, I'll take that too. I'm, I'm just sitting here waiting to sell out. <laughs> I just need a check. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to find some way to be able to like take the time to play Legend of Zelda. It's true. Like, <laughs> yeah, I just need to get to the point where like I cut back on enough stuff that I can devote the two hundred hours I'll need to Legend of Zelda. But that's why I'm telling you, you should have vomited next to Todd McFarland. It would have helped your brand. It would have helped you sell more. People would have known you as the guy who vomited next to Todd McFarland. I don't, it's the I don't, McFarlane vomit. I guy. feel like that doesn't move books as much as you think it moves. It's books. a needle mover. <laughs> uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna let everybody know that they really should be buying Heartthrob a lot more because the book is great. Uh, volume two and Volume one are both awesome. Volume three is still coming, right? Like, we're still going to get that? Yeah, it's coming uh, later this year. It's going to be digital only because, like, that's the only way we can do it. But uh, there will be a a trade at the end. So, um, but Volume three is, like, our third and final arc. So, we've been 
that was our game plan. Like when we, when Oni bought the book, it was like, I want to like, I need 15 issues, three arcs, uh, and then we're done. So, so they're letting us do it, which is, you know, uh, all, all praise to Oni for, you know, um, like they're devoted to the book, uh, as much as we are. So great. Well, um, we're going to keep this train rolling. And the way we're going to do that, of course, is we are going to play a round of Apples and Origins. So, the returning champ! Yes, the returning <laughs> champ back to defend his crown. Against who, uh, though? Like, against us. Like, us losers. I mean, yourself. Are there you, other, you, who are the other champs? <laughs> we do have a winner's bracket. Believe um, me. Yeah, I want to know who else. Yeah, yeah. Now our, our winner's bracket, also it also has Roe. It's got um, Ryan, Katie Run, one, right? Yeah, that guy's a chump. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Tell us more about Ryan. That. We love that. But I will take him down. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think if there was anybody else in the winner's bracket. Yeah, um... Uh, Dirk lost. Yeah, Dirk Manning did lose. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's a scrub. Uh, no, we love oh Dirk. Oh my gosh. No, Dirk's our friend. <laughs> uh, no, other people have one. I just can't remember right now. I really, like, because all I can think of is the losers now, because Rhino Sullivan's in the loser's bracket. Yeah. Ted's in the loser's bracket, obviously, because Roe beat him. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's it. Lots of losing going on. Uh, on the comic spells. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll defeat any of your winners. Like, I'm just no, making that challenge oh, that's here. Beautiful. <laughs> we need to put the word Believe out. Believe me, we're trying to collaborate and figure out how we're going to put this winners bracket together. <laughs> I'm trying to, yeah, get some sort of like beef oh going. God, yes. Like, I want some like <laughs> Oasis blur type shit. Like. <laughs> I feel like that'll that'll really yes. help move yeah, some books. Know, seriously, right now, please just cut a wrestling promo on Row. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not touching Row. Like she's uh, off limits. That's fair. Yeah, you I guys can be, they can be a tag <laughs> yes. team. I'll just abdicate the crown to her. Like if it's up against her, but anyone else, uh, fair game. <laughs> All right. Well, Ryan, you're on notice. Uh, Sabella's coming <laughs> yeah. for you. You've been put on blast. Well, Ryan knows. Uh, Katie knows I'm always coming for her. So. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's play a quick round. Uh, just show everyone uh, how talented you are, why you are in the winner's bracket uh, by a mile. So, Pete, take it away. All right. So, yeah. So, for those of you who've never uh, been privy to an episode or an episode, Jesus Christ, a game of Apples and Origins, um, what we do is we put one minute on the clock and then we go uh, around in a circle, round robin style, and uh, kind of just develop an elevator pitch for a comic book. And then at the end of the round, uh, each of us has a few seconds to kind of come up with a name for the whatever monstrosity we've cobbled together. And uh, then we vote on who came up with the best name. And you're not allowed to vote for yourself. All right. So, uh, we'll put a minute on the clock, and we'll have Chris start it off. Okay. Um, a strip mall dentist. He's black. Uh, he is being sued for malpractice. By his ex-wife's former lover. Um, he wears condoms on his fingers. <laughs> what? Um, the ex-wife's whatever is a ghost. What do you mean, whatever? What? The, the guy who's suing him is a ghost. <laughs> the former lover. Okay. Uh, 
The dentist uh, hires an exorcist. Uh, the exorcist is actually the ghost of Richard Pryor. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, Richard Pryor's on fire. Like, that's not even a question. <laughs> the, uh, the former... Okay. Okay. That was a lot. <laughs> this one actually, you so know what? This one, one, up until The Exorcist was a ghost, like, that one actually had legs. Like, that that wasn't too bad. <laughs> okay, no. Here. He was wearing condoms on his fingers. That's not legs. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, you got he that wears one. You got me on, on that his one. Toes. <laughs> there, now it has legs. <laughs> Great. Okay, so. Are those called socks? <laughs> <laughs> I hope not, because otherwise I'm in a lot of trouble. <laughs> That's basically what socks are. <laughs> it's a good way to protect yourself from athlete's foot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. So, to recap, uh, we're following a strip mall dentist who's being sued – oh, he's black – who's being sued for malpractice by his ex-wife's former lover who happens to be a ghost – uh, and then the exorcist is also, he hires an exorcist who also happens to be the flaming ghost of Richard Pryor, and he wears condom on his fingers. Okay. Uh, 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 crowning ghoul. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> what? Was that yours? Like, <laughs> no, why did Kale yell that's, fuck? That's good. <laughs> that's, not that, that's not that good. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, let's hear what you come up with, Phil. Give me time. Give me time. I got one. Shoot. Hit us. My, mine is too many ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> too many ghosts or too many? I was going to go for tooth, but no, I, I okay. pulled back. <laughs> mine, is, mine is spook canal. Okay. <laughs> All right. Mine's going to be prior engagement. Oh. Mine is uh, Trojan teeth. Yeah, Mar- Marcos was better. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know. Yeah, I feel that. That's right? why I make you play this game. This is the worst game. I've been saying that for 70 episodes. No, we haven't. Oh, you've been saying that. We haven't been doing it for 70 episodes. Uh, gosh, I got I got nothing. I got less than nothing. I'm going to have to forfeit, guys. What? I don't have If you don't give a thought, I'm going to give one to you and it's going to be condom fingers. All, All right. right. There we go. That's Great. my that's my answer. <laughs> All right. So everybody just say there's one more time and then we'll do our vote. Uh, mine was condom <laughs> fingers. <laughs> Crowning ghoul. Spook canal. Mine was prior engagement. Uh, uh, Trojan teeth. Too, too many ghosts. I gotta go with Sean's. Mm. Condom fingers was really good. I'm glad he came up with that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I Very it. good. Um, I think I, I think I yeah, like I'm gonna Marcos. go with Marcos. I might give it to Pete. I'm gonna go with Pete. Oh, we got a tie. Oh, uh-oh. Chris. Wait, what's in between? <laughs> yeah, Marco and Pete. Between crowning, so, crowning ghoul and prior engagement. I'm going to go crowning ghoul because prior engagement yeah. relies on getting the likeness rights to Richard Pryor, which <laughs> yep. 
That's a good point. <laughs> so good fucking luck with that. So, <laughs> well, not, this is a weird situation. It's a nebulous situation in the sense that a Marco won, which is frankly like I'm pretty sure some kind of paradox just Un- occurred, unprecedented for and, sure. Uh, what do you mean? I've I've won like four times, and secondarily, <laughs> Sabella's now in the winner bracket and the loser bracket. No, Schrodinger's no, bot, no. Schrodinger's bracket. <laughs> It doesn't work that way either because he won two times. Yeah, so now I'm just normal. But beyond that, once you're in the winner's bracket, you're in the winner's bracket. He's he's solidified. Only another though. winner can, can kill me. It's like Highlander. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so hopefully you guys enjoyed that game of Apples and Origins. And I uh, just want to let you know where you can find us. Um we are all over the internet. We are on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes, uh, where we are a five-star rated podcast. Uh, we're also on SoundCloud, where you guys are great to us, so keep that up as well. Uh, we are at the Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold. You can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. You can write in with your random questions, your buyer sells, or whatever else you feel like talking to us about. And last but certainly not least, we are on YouTube, where you guys can like this video. Share it with your friends. Subscribe to our channel for more awesome content. Um, and, of course, you can leave us your comments on there, which people are uh, <clears throat> often doing. Um, quick programming note. Uh, we are going to be publishing our All-Star Superman book club episode. That is the next one out, and that is coming out on the 6th of April. So stay tuned for that one. Um, you know, read up, pick up the book if you haven't yet. Uh, I haven't read it yet, so I'm super excited to finally do that. Uh, and we're going to be talking about that really soon. Uh, so. Heads up, Phil does have a quiz. He told me uh, just the other day that he's going to put a quiz oh in the podcast. So it's going to be tough. There is a Sounds test. Awful. <laughs> I hope you all pass. Um, so speaking of people leaving us comments... On YouTube, I do want to jump into the mailbag real quick and read a quick comment from Harris. So, Pete, take it away. Yeah. <clears throat> so, we got a ton of reader mail this week, but uh, since we've been doing the interviews and stuff, we're trying to keep it a little light. So, if you did, if we haven't gotten your comment yet, don't worry. We we'll probably still get to it next week. But uh, Harris wrote in on episode seventy-one, um, which was uh, the one all about um, the kind of Marvel um, fresh start. Fresh, fresh start announcements. Yeah, so uh, Harris wrote in and said, Glad for Otley landing on a major title. Ghost Rider as a Ghost Rider is not too shabby. For some reason, it makes sense for it to happen at some point. Multiple man... Sorry, I just want to clarify. He meant Punisher. Oh, right. He, he said that in a follow-up comment, right? Punisher as a Ghost Rider is not too shabby. For some reason, it makes sense for it to happen at some point. Multiple Man is a great character. Glad to have him return. I think there is a way to say he is still alive. As in previous books, it has been shown that he can be wholly unaware of multiple being out in the world living a completely different life. I can imagine something like that being the quick explanation of him coming back. The other option is to pick up with him in some sort of afterlife. Here's a strange question. So does that mean it's uh does that mean it's time for our segment, Sean? Yes. For the random question of the week. Okay, us. so uh <laughs> if you could take one rogues gallery villain from any company to have it have its own title, who would it be? Okay, so first let's tackle the <clears throat> meat of the uh yeah. email. And uh I think yeah, I agree about Otley. I think that's awesome. As far as multiple man, uh 
I don't know. I mean, I guess you're right in that they could easily just say that there was another, you know, multiple out there somewhere that he didn't know about or whatever, which is kind of a cop out, but that's the way things go. And if they're bringing him back, they have to do something. So it makes as much sense as anything else they could be doing. I also think, I also think it would just, it would be an acceptable move to just make it be like at some point in multiple man's history because he's been around a while but there's not like a ton of material about him oh yeah i see what you're saying like not a modern yeah yeah book like have it be some point in his career we're overlooking the most important thing here that typo about ghost rider being a ghost rider is actually (laughs) a stroke of genius imagine danny blaze as like a ghost like an author for someone else's autobiography so like a literal ghost writer (laughs) oh my god I was pic- I was picturing it as it's not even Danny Blaze. Who the hell is Danny Blaze? I'm sorry, Nicholas Cage, Johnny Blaze. God damn it, <laughs> Danny Blaze. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you could have corrected exactly. Me. You're saying you're 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 I, saying I wrote a Ghost Rider. I'm just gonna bring it all back to me because I have nothing to say about anything else in that email. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying these things in the presence of an actual ghost writer writer. <laughs> it's true. I wrote, Dan- I wrote Danny Blaze. I wrote the shit out of him. A ghost, <laughs> a ghost, ghost writer writer? No, I actually wrote it. No. No, uh, he didn't ghost write the ghost writer book. Chris. Come on, Kale. Keep up. Uh, just a quick question about that. How was it writing ghost writer? It's fucking awesome. Like, uh, yeah. Like, I... You know, they kind of let me, they told me what they needed. Um, and then they were like, can you do that in 20 pages? And I was like, yeah, I think I can. Um, and then I went off and did it. And they were like, cool, we like this. Uh, Phil Noto is going to draw it. And then I was like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's kind of like for my first like solo Marvel work, uh, it's it's a pretty cool gig. Um yeah, and like Ghost Rider is like one of the first I remember like comics I picked up as a kid. It was the Danny Catch stuff, but still, um, and it looks gorgeous, um, and it's pretty like self-contained, so you don't really need to, you know. Uh, I, I guess I'm supposed to encourage people to read the rest of uh, the tie-in, but. Honestly, if you don't want to, you could just read my Ghost Rider and I explain everything perfectly. So <laughs> just read the stuff I wrote because it's awesome. I mean, I'm just trying to save the consumer some money. I know yeah. it gets pricey trying to pick up all these books. So if you just want to read a really cool Ghost Rider story that ends uh, sort of like a uh, nice little self-contained story, I got one for you. Awesome. So what do you think about the idea of Punisher becoming a ghost writer? Um, I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, I, you know, I, it, it makes a sort of sense. Um, I don't, until I read it, you know, it's like, I, I try not to think too heavily about like stuff that gets announced. And like, I figure like, like it's all in the execution. So like, even it's like, it's like trailers. It's like trying to judge a movie on the trailer is like, well, that's, an impossible feat so i mean i have faith that like you know uh donnie knows what he's doing and uh like on multiple men i know matt definitely knows what he's doing like and he loves that character so um i have faith that it'll work out and be cool chris i know what you're trying to say and it's our favorite catchphrase on this program it could be good yeah 
No, that yeah, I uh, that's what I said that's last right. time, I believe. Wasn't that the thing that like? Isn't that the thing that like I agreed yes. with you on? Yeah, like, <laughs> I defended you. He, uh, he hasn't fucking let us forget it. No, and I I stand by it. Like any any of this shit is like, you know who who knows? Like I I try not to prejudge. Unless it's like, you know, uh, if it's coming from a garbage person, like, and that stuff is just like, well, it could be good. More than likely, it's a pack of shit, but, but most stuff I'm like, no, it could be good. Like, so I stand by it all so these months later. Not, not only is he coming after Ryan Katie, but he's also coming after Oscar the Grouch, a little garbage person. <laughs> you no, first. I, <laughs> uh, now you're well, twisting my words. Now I'm against you. No! Oh, that, was a, that was a stretch. <laughs> what are your head? Yeah, you had you had me in the palm of your hand, and you just threw me no! away I'm like trash, like trash. <laughs> now I'm the trash. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so oh, can just... I answer that rogues gallery question? Yes, though? yes. I was going to ask you. I yeah. don't. I don't know if he's in anyone's rogues gallery, but like literally. Like, I would kill to write a madcap book at Marvel. Like, I would love... Uh, unfortunately, Deadpool exists, so that'll never happen. But, like, li- like madcap is, like, my... I- I've-, I've pitched on, like, two things at Marvel, and both times madcap was in it. Um, <laughs> like, I am just, like, determined to write madcap <laughs> at some point. He's literally my favorite character at Marvel, so... Um, so yeah, I'm just planting seeds in the universe. That's my pick. That's funny. I, that's like super obscure. Yeah, yeah. No, like, uh, and and it kind of it's like uh like when you really like a band and they're like your band, and then, <laughs> but yeah, now Madcap has like shown up in like Deadpool several times, and he's become like <laughs> a known figure, and I'm I feel. Like that sort of band possessiveness about it. I'm like, no, I was in the Madcap before he was cool. <laughs> like, I I was into him and his origin story. Like, I, I was there at the beginning, bro. Um, so, but you know, yeah, other people have become aware of him, so now he belongs to the world again. <laughs> but all that means is that now you can step up and write the definitive Madcap. Man, your your lips to God's ears, like that's. <laughs> if I got that, I'd be like, okay, I'm cool, Marvel. Like, uh, like that's all I wanted to do. I'm out. Uh, <laughs> I wish I was baller enough that I could do that, yeah, but I'm not. That could so. be your Grant Morrison animal man. Your definitive statement on an obscure character. <laughs> One day we're gonna talk about Christopher Savella's Madcap the way we talk about <laughs> Grant Morrison's animal man. Yes. <laughs> I would love that. I would too. <laughs> I look forward. I mean, to Sean, it. you're laughing, and that's no laughing matter. This is this is aspirations. Yeah, it's comics. Be serious. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Um, it's comics. Be serious. So, anyone else want to tackle the question? So, I realized that Danny Blaze. I was thinking of Danny Phantom. <laughs> nice. What? Nice. What? You could have gotten question. out by saying Danny Ketch, but you actually... I should have. Yeah, that would have made <laughs> yeah. me look better. You outed yourself twice. You're a dumpster fire of a person. Uh, I'll take a crack. Um, I think I, I'd want to do uh, a Captain Cold. Oh. Like a good, uh, maybe sort of exploring the the real depths of uh, the Flash's rogues. 
from uh, an extended like deep dive into uh, from the perspective of one of you know the head of the rogues and especially if you use that uh, Wentworth Miller voice from the the TV show oh man he's so good (laughs) all right (laughs) Uh, Marco you got one uh, I was thinking, I had to look at my shelf and was like, eh. I'm thinking Magog, um, uh, uh, Kingdom Come. Wow. Hmm. That's not bad. I wanna, I wanna, I, I thought he was a really interesting character and knowing he was like the catalyst for everything and like, it'd be really interesting to sort of explore. Have you, did you read his appearance in, uh, you probably didn't, JSA. but, uh, JSA? Uh, no, I saw it, I, he appeared in, like, uh, Wonder Woman and Superman in, like, one of, like, some random issues or something, and it was dumb, and he became, like, some other superhero, it was weird, uh, but I haven't read anything else, like, outside well, of that. Yeah, The JSA don't. run is good as shit. Not for that yeah, character. Yeah, I have to pick it up. Uh, well, uh, I, for a second, Kale, I thought you were going to say, well, have you read a little book called The Bible? Because that's like where <laughs> Gog and Magog are from. Um, for me, I'm going to... What's that? Spoilers. Yeah. Have you ever gotten there in the Bible yet? Um, for me, I'm, I'm going to... still in Luke. <laughs> Damn. I think this guy Jesus is going to die a third time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the matrix <laughs> he definitely took the blue pill right. um, for me I'm going to say Mr. Mixel Spitlick that'd be a buck wild book exactly it'd be a buck ass wild be bana- book but ba- <laughs> be bananas as fuck <laughs> and then I would have to be able to like do other things with it, like have a TV show, a radio show, because he just transcends the dimensions. So I would just have to be like, listen, DC, Warner Brothers, let me do a lot of things at once here. And you'd be like, you know what? Here's our money. Take it. That's the, that's actually a pretty solid idea. <laughs> I don't know about the radio show part. <laughs> you can start a newspaper comic while it? you're at it, too. Like, Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you said a radio show and not uh-huh. podcast. Like, yeah, let's go for the dying option. Like, it's cheaper. But move oh, over, Pete. Marmaduke. I am gonna move. I'm gonna crowd in on your uh, newspaper column. <laughs> it's crowded now. I'm gonna move units. Crowded. Oh, I like. That. Are you on my side again? Out oh. this summer. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> uh so for me i have kind of a, a silly idea but i i would love to see like a comedy book about like a really like not necessarily like a b or c list hero but like a, a hero who i like think or a villain rather um that's like often the butt of a joke like electro or shocker like someone who's like they're in the a tier but like they kind of suck you know and it's like i, I would definitely like to see like a uh, a story that's about them just kind of being like you know like a lowly villain that like wants to be taken as seriously as somebody like you know Green Goblin or Doctor Doom but they they just like can't break into that upper echelon and like, like there could be a lot of humor like there. a Mothman or no something you already like that. hit it with Shocker like it should be a whole thing about him like yeah like what the shit did they do to my name like. It means what? Like, he's just, like, walking around <laughs> yeah, and people are making that hand gesture at him. 
And he's like, like fuck this. Shot, like, and he's, he's yeah. Like, yeah, like that would be a great like mini of like shocker. It's just like, what the shit? Like uh, that used to be the coolest name in the world. And now it means this. Like, <laughs> what if that's the thing that makes yeah. him an A-list villain? Like he just gets so mad. <laughs> he like, he, get, he gets really twisted by it. Or that's the thing that finally makes him into a hero. I doubt it. But no, they, they kind of they kind of did that already. The Superior Foes of Spider Man by Nick Spencer. That was kind of what that book was about. Why are you Great. ruining Pete's? Because, well, because it was a shitty <laughs> idea. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, okay. Fine. <laughs> I liked it. Thanks. Um, I thought it was funny, and I think Chris should write it. I, I just like any any idea we have, Chris. You should just write it. Like all we got to do is get it approved. Yeah. That's super easy. Shocker. Like, Walk up to DC, like, hey, you guys want to? Oop, there's your first problem. I don't <laughs> you guys want to publish a book? <laughs> no, 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 no. Almost <laughs> definitely going to lose some money. Like, because uh, I got some money losing just, just ideas. Just go to Marvel offices. <laughs> yes. I'll start a bidding war for my crappy ideas. Like, <laughs> no, I swear, this played really well on a podcast. Like, you're going to want to get in on this. <laughs> <laughs> we did the joke for way too long. Uh, for me, I'm gonna go with something super original and just pick Doctor Doom. No, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm not gonna pick Doctor Doom. Uh, I've always been fascinated by Galactus for whatever reason. Oh, okay, uh, and I think that there could be an interesting like mini series about Galactus somewhere. I've always thought that could be cool. So that's my answer. It makes them tick, you know? Yeah. Yeah, explore that. I think like a thing. vision type series for him. Uh, like him with a wife and child. Yes. Where he's really trying to be human. Oh. <laughs> Where he's trying to be human. <laughs> the Galactuses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, real quick, let's do, let's do our pals pulls here. Um, not a lot of us had a ton of, not a lot of us really were interested in the books uh, coming out this upcoming week, uh, but there was a little bit of interest. Uh, so, from Marco, we've got Harrow County number twenty nine. Uh, yeah, so Harrow County is slowly coming to an end. Uh, I think it's going to end on like issue thirty six or thirty. It's going to be in one of the thirties, and this is like already quickly approaching that. So I'm really sad to see this book go, but. Um, I I mean I'm I'm ready for this for like the next arc. Uh this book has been one of my favorites uh since I started and it does not let up. Uh the art's great. Again, I talk about it all the time, Charlie Crook, and it's written by Cullen Bunn. Uh super great stuff. Awesome. And then you <clears throat> you also chose Killer Be Killed number seventeen. Yeah, I've talked about this. Sean, we've talked about this before. Like Killer Be Killed is just solid work from Brubaker. Uh, and Phillips, and go pick it up. It's great. This new arc. Have you have you been keeping up with this new arc? I'm a little bit behind. Okay, it it takes an interesting turn, and I'm I'm looking forward to to seeing where it goes. Awesome. And then from Kale, we've got Power Rangers Artist Tribute. So this is the uh, 25th anniversary of the uh, Power Rangers series. Uh, so Boom is putting together a, a giant artist tribute for the power rangers featuring um you know uh among others uh friend of the show jordan gibson uh my personal friend uh dan mcdade um 
I'm very much looking forward to this book and seeing the amazing work that um, <clears throat> that people are going to do with these, uh, you know, characters and stuff. So um, I highly recommend going to pick it up, but after me because I have to get my copy. <laughs> yeah, Gibson has been on fire with the the covers for Power Rangers. Ooh, that Jason yeah. Gold Ranger cover. Oh, oh yeah, so sick. Yeah, his stuff is good, really good. Cool. <clears throat> so uh, we're going to jump into the news, uh, and we're going to start with, I mean, come on, the the trailer, the second trailer for Avengers Infinity War. Uh, this thing dropped, and it came in uh, on Friday, and it, it, it broke the internet. They released the announcement that we, it was now possible to pre-order tickets for the movie, um, and... Uh, Literally 30 minutes after that announcement, I tried to pre-order my tickets for Thursday night showing, and it was nearly impossible to do. Um, what did you guys think of this trailer? Chris, did you get the opportunity to check it out? Yes. What'd you think? Uh, I think there's a lot of people in it. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like, I mean, yeah, I think it's cool. I, you know, I know we talked about this the last time I was on, but like, I am no less burnt out on superhero. I went, I finally saw Black Panther on Thursday. Um, and before it, there were four or five trailers, like not including Ready Player One, but all the other ones were for like other Marvel movies. And it was just like, this is ridiculous now. Like it's to the point where it's just like you can go see a Marvel movie and there will be a trailer for a movie that stars the character who's in the movie you're about to see. Like because they showed it, like the first Infinity War trailer before Black Panther. So you see like it's just like, oh, this is it's too much. But yeah, I mean, I'll see it. But it also feels like. I made the joke today of like, it's, it's a two hour and 36 minute movie. That way every character gets five minutes of speaking time, but like it's with all the guardians and like Dr. Strange. And like, it's just like, I hope it's cool. It it feels like too much to fit into a two and a half hour movie, which I never. Yeah. And it also feels like, again, another, movie where you have to have I mean I think they can do it that way because they're sort of counting on you having seen the other ones and that's where they've done the work on like character stuff because I yeah I don't know I mean and then they're they, they like already made Avengers 4 they've like filmed it at the same time or something so yeah they started working on it like immediately after yeah that, uh I, you know, yeah, I, I think a lot of it looks cool. I think it looks pretty clear that Tony Stark is going to die. Like, I mean, he's in like the Jesus Christ pose on the poster and like, um, Not yeah, a good sign. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like he dies pretty early in the movie. If I had to guess, um, like that they're going to like, that'll be like, that'll be the first person, like Thanos is like big blow. Is like he'll kill Tony Stark, and then it's down to the other Avengers. Shit, then we got a movie. We can actually move on. Yeah, I mean that's how I would do it if if somebody were stupid enough to hand the reins of that to me. So <laughs> don't sell yourself short, man. No, no. I, like I said, I'm ready. I'm here. 
Just mail me a check. <laughs> I'll do whatever you want. I'm ready yeah, to sell yeah. out. <laughs> it doesn't even have to be a check. You can just be like Bitcoin. <laughs> I uh, b- building off what Chris said. I um, I I definitely got that same vibe from this trailer. Like I I enjoyed the trailer. I I think it was good as far as trailers go. Um, but there is a lot of balls in the air for this film. And I think if it was anyone else but the Russos, I would, uh, broke, yeah. there's a, there's broke, a lot, yeah. lot of balls in the there, air. There, there are only two women in the trailer. Yeah. A lot of balls in the air. <laughs> there are several balls flying around in the air. Um, but I, I think if it was anyone but the Russo brothers at the helm, I would be more concerned. Um, they've definitely earned a certain amount of, of rope from me, um, seeing how they've handled, uh, civil war. And then, you know, to a lesser extent, um, their work on community, you know, that they, they definitely seem good at managing, um, ensemble casts. Granted, this has like 20 main characters, so we'll see how it works out. But, um, the trailer definitely got me excited. I, it didn't add anything for me. I like, I'm going to go see it. Like, they know I'm gonna go see it. I don't even know why they're bothering. Yeah, like you're saying, you're sold on it either way. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in the same boat as Cal. It's just like, yeah, uh, this didn't get me any more pumped for for it. Just because I know I'm gonna go see it anyway. Um, I just thought it was a little corny when uh, I, what is it? When Tony's like feet became one rocket, it took me out of it. I was like, man, what a fucking what? semantic <laughs> complaint. <laughs> <laughs> literally that was my only complaint about the chill I was like I was like I don't like that who the fuck cares almost too what? Like, wouldn't fuck that's you right now <laughs> it took it took me out of the trailer when he put his feet and together and it became one I was like eh. alright I, I just don't understand you that's a hot take I guess I respect it he has standards uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah man like, like, Marco's team got you. That's what. It, hey, I'm the underdog. Every episode, I take someone else's side. Yes, <laughs> you've chosen so, poorly. Um, I always do. <laughs> well, man, why he's whoa. here. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I I loved it. I thought the trailer was phenomenal. Uh, it's so still so cool for me to see these characters together. Um, it opens with a shot of uh, New York upside down, which is super cool and would have had a lot more impact had we not just seen that in Black Panther. Um, uh, but, you know, I mean, it does it does what the trailer's supposed to do. You know, it, it excites you. It, it shows you the principal characters in, you know, interesting situations and positions. Uh, the scene between Star Lord and Iron Man kind of talking about the plan is insanely funny. That's like what I'm here for. You know, it's it's those moments. Um, yeah, seeing the characters bounce off each other. Exactly. <clears throat> and then uh, Doctor Strange being tortured by Ebony Maw. I cannot wait to see that because. Um, That's what, such a Phil? weird thing. To, oh, the torture scene. Ah, man, baby. It's, I love it's, it. See, ah, you're showing yourself. It's because that is a moment from the comics. Uh, I think you're showing yourself. <laughs> Phil's point still stands. Also, <laughs> no, that. No, that that it's a moment from the comics that I'm that I really loved. And you're I just can't super wait to see into torture, dude. It's cool. Like, 
We're not. We're I not mean, here I never to deny We're that. not here to king shame. We're just saying, <laughs> yeah, like, cool. So then, why even call me out on? Because you. Well, I didn't call you out. Phil did. You literally just did. You Thanks just too. dog piled but, on. Yeah, Thanks for the assessed case. Listen, I'm, a, I'm a dog piler, not what a caller outer. What type of stuff is that? Listen, do I need to talk to Jess? Oh, man. I mean, probably. All right. Probably. <laughs> That's what, Jess, what I'm going to have to like tell you. Go wake her up? <laughs> you should go wake her up. I want to see her reaction to that. <laughs> and you should we put that on the we air. We don't need that kind of uh, <laughs> lose a pal real quick. <laughs> Uh, Phil, what do you think of the trailer, man? You know, uh, it's it's busy. Um, there's a lot of people in it. Um, but you know, uh, like you, I kind of like this uh, interaction between like uh, the you mentioned the Star Lord and Tony Stark scene, and I liked that little interplay because I um, it's I, I didn't think I wanted the Guardians to mingle with the characters on Earth, but I liked that like exchange. So, we'll see. Uh, like Pete said, I'm into what the Russos do. Uh, I don't really care for the first two Avengers mo- movies very much, but I think this one has more potential to be an actual decent movie. So, in the immortal words of the show, could be good. Right. Uh, so, as I mentioned, Infinity War pre-sale tickets were uh, made available uh, this past Friday, and uh, the pre-sale broke the record. That was held by Black Panther in just six hours. So uh, people are really excited to see this movie. It's just like, how good must it feel to be Disney right now? Just like, oh, yep, just we're just going to just pile another giant stack of money on top of the other giant fucking stack of money we just made. Like, Black Panther is going to be out of theaters and then Avengers is going to be up, what, another have you, week later? Have you not actually seen the boardroom of uh, Disney? It's actually a giant gold money pit, like, uh, from DuckTales that all of them, like Scrooge McDuck, jump into and swim in. So, so uh, <clears throat> in addition, this week we learned that uh, the main characters of the film are Thor and Thanos. Uh, Joe and Anthony Russo talked about it uh, with Fandango and they mentioned that uh, uh, they really invested in those two characters going into this movie and speaking specifically of Thanos uh, Joe said even though he's not a character that had a huge present pre-existing story in the Marvel Universe um, he was a threat but he was not developed in any way up to this point Thanos has an incredible amount of screen time in this film in a lot of ways I would say it's his movie our job when we make these films and what we feel is important to us is to surprise the audience we wanted to, t- to tell a story that they weren't expecting and the story is told from the point of view of a villain which I think is also really unique and risky for a commercial film that will surprise the audience I think this is a market where the audience really enjoys innovation and disruption and we want to do something innovative in this space so I think Thanos has an incredible amount of screen time and I think you'll find that Thor has a really interesting arc in this film Boy, they don't know uh, comic book fans, do they? <laughs> uh, so I think that's interesting. I, the The Thor bit is more surprising to me. I'm not surprised to hear them say that they think Thanos is the main character of the film. They've been talking a lot about their affection for Thanos as a character since they became involved with the project. Um, I remember one of the big headlines that kind of came out months ago was them saying like that they wanted him to be like the next Darth Vader. You know, like they wanted him to be that level of like 
imposing, you know, classic movie villain. And, um, you know, uh, for that to be the case, he can't just be a punching bag in one movie or two movies even. You know, he, he does need to be a, a fully developed, fleshed out character with his own motivations and goals. And uh, even if we don't agree with them, uh, we need to be able to understand him. You know, and and have, uh, you know, some level of um, not necessarily empathy for him, but like we've we've got to like at least kind of like love to hate him or maybe want to root for him in some capacity. Like we need something to hold on to or he's going to be, you know, uh, a damage sponge. And that's going to be what it is. It's going to be he kills a couple of Avengers and then they whoop his ass and save the day and status quo returned. Right. And I don't. I don't think that's what they want with this movie. This is supposed to be the culmination of, you know, a decade's worth of, of films and uh, and something that's never been done on the big screen before. So I have to imagine they have bigger plans for what they're going to do with Thanos than that. So, Chris, let me ask you. you you're obviously very much over this whole uh, Marvel Universe thing, Marvel Cinematic Universe thing. Does the idea of Thanos as the central character appeal to you because it's different? Yeah, I, I mean, I like I like books that uh, center on uh, villains. Like they they aren't done very often, but I mean, I, in general, I like stories that sort of. I think if they do that approach, like that, definitely raises my interest in it. Um, and you know, it's like for for as much exhaustion as I talk about, like I still am interested in these movies. It's just like. It just feels like the time investment it requires is like, like if I want to keep seeing these movies, then I'm going to have to, you know, I'll probably have to watch the next Doctor Strange or at least read the Wikipedia article. Um, <laughs> sure. So, yeah, I mean, for me, it's just like, I don't know. It's like, I want to, I want to enjoy these movies. It just feels like, can I have some more time? Um, like, <laughs> <laughs> like if, it, it, it just it, you know it felt like you know and this is me being an old but like it felt more special like when there was like a superhero movie once every you know year or six months uh and now it's just like it's like oh well yeah no this is just like what the movie industry is now is like what what how many superhero movies are we getting this year and i don't know um but, you know, I still largely like those movies. I finally saw Guardians 2, and I enjoyed that. But it also felt like overly long, which all these movies feel like. Even Black Panther, which I really loved, I felt like could have lost about 20 minutes. Um, I mean, maybe that's over much, but, like, there there definitely was a point where I felt like it sagged a little bit for me. Um there's just like those, uh, every Marvel movie has like those middle bits where it's just like, you know, it's, it's on the lead up to the big showdown and it's just like a lot of sitting around and talking and planning stuff. And it just, that's where I tend to like, my attention starts to drift. Uh, probably cause I'm just like too ADD. Um, so no fault of the movies, but. I just want like a tight 90 minute superhero movie. Yeah, I I I I feel your pain about um it being special, you know, back when there was one a year and like like the time commitment 
within it because it's also not only do multiple films come out, they also sort of all demand your attention at the same time. Mm -hmm. So like, it's just like, oh, I have to be excited for Avengers and I have to be excited for Black Panther and Thor Ragnarok. Oh, and Ant-Man and the Wasp is coming out this year. Oh, and I do also have to think about the Flash and Aquaman coming up coming up and it's just like all right yeah and i think it just like online there's like the idea of like preserving s- people from spoilers is just like a passe idea for a lot of people now and so much of it is like you have to watch things on my schedule and if you don't well then screw you like and i know people aren't being like that aggro about it but like it feels like that of like you know, people were like spoiling that new Cloverfield movie, like the night it came out. Um, so, you know, through some miracle, I still haven't seen the new Star Wars and I have not been spoilered on any of it, but that's because I like went out of my way to block like every phrase I could related to it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of these movies is like you have to see it right away or you know, if you're somebody who wants to be surprised by a movie, otherwise people are going to start posting gifts and are just going to like start casually discussing aspects of the movie. So there's like that additional pressure, but yeah, I don't know. Like there's just like, so, you know, Jessica Jones just season two premiered and it like, it felt so quiet to me. Like nobody was like really getting hyped up about it. And I think that's because, like, oh, yeah, well, we all just saw, like, Black Panther. So, like, and it's just, like, and we're all waiting for Infinity War. So now it's, it's like, gotten to the point where, like, oh, a second season of Jessica Jones has showed up. And, like, the internet's just, like, oh, yeah, that's just the world we live in now. Um, yeah, it's, like, I'll get yeah, to it. And it's just, like, I don't know. Um I mean, but I'll still see all this stuff eventually because uh, I can't stop myself. Uh, and the one thing about the trailer that I noticed and, and like, is this a really dumb logic point is like, there's that shot of them all running together. And it's like, I feel like some of them have like run faster than the others or like Hulk has a bigger, <laughs> like a longer pace. And it's like, so it's like everybody like, okay, well I'm going to have to modify my jog speed. So I don't like. That was a thought I had while watching the trailer. So that's that's less semantical than what Marco said about fucking Tony Stark's single okay. rocket leg. Yeah, yeah. See, what he pointed out was like that was like a reasonable, uh, logical leap. <laughs> what you're talking about is you're just you're nitpicking a dis- like. I'm, so- I'm sorry, he needed a better thruster, Marco. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have okay? an opinion, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh- <laughs> Given that we are expressing our, you know, fatigue with Marvel movies, I think it's great to talk about another Marvel yes. movie. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, just a quick point of congratulations to everybody behind Black Panther that it now has officially uh, passed $1 billion at the global box office. Um I think uh, it's pretty impressive. I mean, it, it's eclipsed The Dark Knight, which we talked about. Uh, it eclipsed um, several movies. It, it made a billion dollars in around the same time as Avengers Age of Ultron and Captain America Civil War. Um, so it, just an incredible success uh, and well-deserved, I think. Yeah, right? It's almost like people uh, will watch movies about black people or something. 
And Take not, that just, not just that, because <laughs> Black Panther wasn't like a super well-known character uh, to like the larger audience so recently. People will go watch a good movie. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think I think it's. I mean, the thing that impressed me so much about it was like how much of a singular vision it was. Like, yeah. you don't see like fantasy situations like that. Like everything is is so like aesthetically the same. You know, everything like look you know, has the same like sort of blue glow to it or, you know, dirt gray apocalypse and like so much of, and it's, it's just like everything about it is just like really smart and really thought through like the whole bead system I thought was like, you know, they, they at no point do they stop the movie and go, well, this is how beads work. Um, you just like, you intrinsically understand it. Like it just makes a sense. Like, and I don't, yeah, just like all the design and stuff was just like, that's what made me the happiest about it was just like, they don't make movies like this, you know, with like, everything has like achieved this sort of like post matrix vision to it that to see like, oh yeah, there are actually like other visions of, you know the world than like the one we've just been repeatedly fed. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a really good point because whenever a director is a good director is given a lot of freedom on a creative leash to make what they want to make, it oftentimes turns out a lot better than a movie that's studio produced. So in 2006, if you would have told me that a black Panther movie would significantly outgross a justice league movie, like six, seven months later, I would have been like, what? What? How? Yeah, right. Like but in what universe? It speaks to the quality <laughs> difference. Like people went into Justice League expecting it to be bad, and that was a, a hodgepodge of a mess from multiple different people involved with it. Where Black Panther was a singular vision and a much better movie too. And I, I also think, like, if you told me that, if you if you told me that same statement three years ago, I would have told you you were crazy. Uh, but that goes to show you how much these things are evolving even now, you know, even as we speak. The idea of Black Panther being able to be such a success, not only does that change the game in terms of what movies are we allowing to be made, um, but it also changes the game in terms of the way that fans are thinking about these things and where they're willing, where they're willing to put their dollars. And that, that matters. That matters more yeah. than anything. I, I think especially because like it, it's a huge buck to a lot of the like complaints that people have levied at like the superhero machine, right? Is that like, oh, like it's it's bloated, it's oversaturated, right? But also like a, a really common, I think, complaint, like you said, maybe three years ago was people being like, do I give a shit about a movie about Ant-Man, Doctor Strange or Black Panther? Like, who are those characters? I don't know them. They're not relevant. And yeah, I mean, like, obviously the proof's in the pudding. Well, I think I think also that one of the reasons Black Panther works so well for me and for others is that because you don't have to have seen any of the other Marvel movies to appreciate it. Like, it is – and that's why, like, I think, like, Logan, Wonder Woman, and now Black Panther are, like, my top three favorite superhero movies because they're movies that you can – you don't need to know – if you do know more, then, you know, more is the better for you. But you can walk in knowing nothing at all and walk out having enjoyed a complete story. I, I'll say this. If Marvel Studios keeps producing films of Black Panther's quality, 
the supposed superhero bubble will never pop because it's just the quality of film that's being made. And uh, on the subject of Black Panther, it's perhaps the only time I've seen an MCU movie where I thought I could see that again and get a lot out of it a second time. Mm. You know, I... And this is maybe anecdotal, but, like, I've gotten the sense that it seems like that's the road they're more interested in going down. That, like, you know, the the, the MCU is a success. And, like, there isn't really a movie you can point to from the, you know, specifically the film offerings, right? Obviously, some of the television stuff is not done as well. But um, that was a failure. You know, like, they've all been a success, and I think they've, like proven to themselves with Black Panther and like even things like to a lesser extent like Guardians, right? Which I think we forget was a, a risk at the time um, that maybe there is something to be said for going the less conventional route and giving creative, more creative control to, uh, to some of the, um, you know, the people actually developing the film rather than the committee. Yeah. And I think, I think like having stuff like Infinity War is totally cool as long as they keep, as long as they use that to like fund giving stuff to directors to do, you know, stuff like Black Panther or I know it didn't happen, but like when they had Edgar Wright on Ant-Man, like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, Peyton, Peyton Reed did a really good job and I like that dude. So, and I think he, you know, he is a total superhero nerd, so he was totally deserving of it. But like that kind of where they're just like, Hey, we know that these movies are going to do well. So why don't we like take a risk and, you know, like give it to somebody who, you know, is not completely untested, but like somebody who hasn't had a $200 million movie and like, let's see what they do with it. Um, that's like the one saving grace of like all this superhero stuff is that it can give, you know, uh, more directors, a bigger platform to at least like make their bones. And then they could take that money and go do the movies they want to do. Sure. And, and I think like, I think specifically outlining like some of the more recent MCU films that we've been talking about here. Like, I think it speaks to how broad the superhero genre can be, right? Like Captain America two is a spy movie. Ant-Man's a heist movie. Um, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy is sci-fi. Like, you can do more than make a quote-unquote superhero movie with superheroes. And I think, like, we're at a point where, like, superheroes aren't a niche thing anymore. Like, they, you know, they've been, like you said earlier, Chris, they've been the driving force behind Hollywood for a decade now. You know, yeah. like, basically since Dark Knight and Iron Man. And, like, we don't have to act like comic books or comic book characters, at least, are obscure. And that, like, you know, people understand that Iron Man exists in the same universe as literal gods and a talking raccoon, you know? And it's like, and, and people just accept that at face value now. So like, I don't think we need to be as concerned with formula or with trying to um, do what's safe when we've proven that the opposite works and sometimes works a lot better. Yeah. And that's the only thing that's going to like keep, you know, at some point the audience will get tired, you know, like everything was a huge thing until the the day it stopped being a huge thing. So like, so yeah, I mean, I think for their own survival, it's like they have to do this. They have to, yeah. Like try to innovate, you know, now that super 
superhero movies are, you know, a genre. Um, they have to do their best to build it out to accommodate like the, like that new mutants movie. I had no interest in it until I saw they were positioning it as a horror movie. And I was like, Oh cool. Like stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, as long as they don't, you know, I mean, but that's the danger of Hollywood. It's like, you know, they do something, it works really well. And then it's like, Oh, well, why would we, deviate from this like it made well, us let's do that 300 more times yeah i mean it already made us you know two billion dollars uh why would we stop but they seem to be you know taking some risks i mean they're still like pretty safe risks but still um it, it gives me some hope um but i don't know i haven't slept in like a while so now I'm just rambling. <laughs> uh, and to the surprise of absolutely no one in existence, uh, a sequel for Black Panther is going to come out. What? So, uh, you don't say. Yeah. <laughs> is is Coogler attached or is that too early? Too early. All right. Um, but uh, I, I would be willing to bet that he's got more to say in that space. Sure, so sure. Uh, so Puerto Rico obviously, uh, was absolutely devastated by a hurricane, um, back in September, 2017. And, uh, there was just tons of damage. The rebuilding is still ongoing. And, uh, you know, there is a movement that has sort of died down, unfortunately, in terms of trying to help, uh, Puerto Rico. And, there is a there's something called Puerto Rico Comic Con that does take place yearly, and they're actually going to continue on with the plans to do the show uh, and not um, cancel it. Like so many other things, you know, Puerto Rico has lost a lot of business, a lot of tourism, and Puerto Rico is still going to get a Comic Con, uh, thankfully. And Ricky Carrion, who is the executive producer of the show. Uh, did have a few things to say about that that I just wanted to quickly share and put the word out that this is happening just in case anyone is interested in going and supporting the show, supporting Puerto Rico, and and going out and having a great time. Uh, so Ricky had this to say. Puerto Rico needs this, our fans as well. Canceling the event because of the hurricane was too easy a victory for the storm in some way. Uh, he was asked how... Uh, his coworkers are doing. He said, we're doing fine. I won't sugarcoat it. It was hard for a while, especially during the first two months of the storm. The great thing about Puerto Ricans is that we're strong and resilient. So we have to set our minds to get back to normal no matter what. So obviously they're, you know, they're ready to do this show. Um, there's top talent involved with the show. Uh, Jim Starlin, John Barrowman, Juliana Harkave, Casey Cott, and Carolina Ravasa. I remember at New York Comic Con, um, uh, Gail Simone was taking donations mm -hmm. uh, to help yeah, support I do Puerto remember Rico. That. Uh, I I read a Twitter interaction. I guess it's not a confirmed thing because it's not in the article by Newsarama, but uh, she did she did mention going to that convention, uh, the Puerto Rico Comic Con. So I don't know if it's confirmed or not, but I know that I saw her talking about it. So she might be there as well. So if you're interested in checking it out. Um, that's a pretty cool cast, and I'm sure there are more people who are going to sign up. Uh, and it is in May. Um, it takes place on May 18th through the 20th. So 
That's awesome. I mean, I'm glad that they're going to get to have the show. Um, I think the point he made about, you know, I'm sure the people there could use uh, a nice like weekend, you know, like distraction from what's been going on there for so long. So being able to come together and celebrate and, you know, enjoy themselves. God bless them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So another another massive uh, thing that happened this week is Ava DuVernay. Uh, is directing a new gods movie for DC for Warner Brothers. Fucking crazy! Yeah, that's huge. Uh, it's gonna like this is this is this is massive. Uh, there's there's so much to say about this film. Uh, it's gonna be a hundred million dollar plus budget. Uh, just like a Wrinkle in Time. It's gonna need to be. Sorry. It's gonna need to be. Yeah. Um, she obviously has won some people over, uh, in Hollywood with the Wrinkle in Time film that she was given the, the, the reins of, and now she's taking on this role. Uh, what do you guys think about this? The idea of a New Gods film is something that is, like, really, uh... It makes me cautiously optimistic, I guess, is the word to say. Like, the idea of that is, like, wow, that could be really cool. But in the same breath, it's like uh, feels like a really tough thing to tackle. So um, I won't I won't say I'm excited for it, but I definitely am am extremely intrigued by it. It's it's the new gods are as comics as comic booky as you get. They're 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 very they're laced into very panels and pop art of the material. Um, to approach something like that for cinema is it's as ambitious as I think it can be. Um, I think of the Watchmen movie and how they take they altered the ending because the ending was too comic booky. Um, I, 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 the way DC has been making their movies too. I, I don't know, but if if she can make it well, I mean, I'm all in. Because I love the new gods. Chris, do you have any thoughts about this? Uh could be good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I don't I don't have a deep affection for the new gods stuff, but uh I'm I'm definitely interested to see uh what she does with it. Um But yeah, I mean like what that movie probably won't be out for like two more years or something. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I hope it's cool. Uh, you know, like, uh, if it's like wonder woman, good, I'll be happy. Yeah. I, I, I wonder where it'll like all fit in and like, why? Cause, cause I mean, they, they have been trying to go for, uh, like the justice league and then they're doing all like the solo movies. So then like, is this going to fit into that? Like why, why do that? I guess. I hope not. Yeah. I, I hope not. Yeah, either. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, in general, I just hope like we can get more, more like Logan type movies. Like where does that fit in with the X-Men stuff? It doesn't like, and that's why I like it so much is, you know, it's just its own thing. And, you know, like I, I would hope that like, if they're doing a new gods thing, then it's just like, well, I mean, the amount of time you would have to spend to link it into the rest of the DC universe is feels prohibitive. So definitely, 
I think the smart smart play would just be like, nope, here's like this is like gar- this is our guardians, like, but much weirder. So yeah, right. From what I've read, uh, the movie, at least as they're talking about it now, is not going to uh, directly intersect with the wider DC cinematic universe right now. Um, that's probably a good thing. Definitely, yeah, absolutely. And. In the sense of the fact that none of those characters have really interacted at all with any one, with any of the films we've seen. The only character from the New Gods crop that we have seen is Steppenwolf. And you don't necessarily need to go into all that. It doesn't matter what he did on Earth. This movie could take place in the past. This movie, you know, like it doesn't have to involve Steppenwolf, maybe. Um, but it does give us so many characters that I think uh, personally I'm dying to see. Darkseid, uh, I think, is a given. Um, Highfather, uh, the Mr. Miracle, you know, who's not loving him right now. Big Barda, one of my favorite characters. So I think that there's a lot that we can get that's great out of this. And if this movie can stand on its own and then those characters spin off into other things, that's fine. And, and frankly, cool I don't want anything to connect to the Justice League movie. Right. I, I think what you just said is probably the most likely scenario, Sean, that these movies will be self-contained, but then we will see these characters eventually come to Earth at a later date. Like, I don't think that we're going to never see Darkseid interact with the DC uh, film universe. Like, that seems like a given at some point. Um, but I don't think that means these movies have to have any connective tissue to those movies beyond the fact that, like, some of these characters, you know, will appear in both. At a later point, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, not, like, directly afterwards. But, yeah, at some point, Darkseid's going to be the big bad when they finally get their shit together, right? Like, that's got to happen. Uh, so so congrats uh, to Ava on this uh, announcement. Uh, she expressed that she was a huge fan of Big Barda. Um, and uh, so, obviously, she has a connection to um, this world. And so... It's huge that she gets this opportunity. She actually has uh, pinned on her Twitter uh, a picture of Jack Kirby with a quote, our dreams make us large. Thank you. That was, yeah, that was her reaction to the yeah. announcement. So. Uh, good for her, man. I mean, that's obviously a big, a, that's big news in and of itself that she's the one directing it, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, I hopefully we're going to see more and more news like that. Uh, so let's, uh, let's, let's rapid fire through the rest of this stuff here. Uh, we got news that the DC and Hanna-Barbera, uh, connection will continue. Um. Nice. Yes. Yes. Uh, we are going to be getting, uh, several new books from them. Uh, 48 page one shots, uh, coming up, dealing with the seventies characters from Hanna-Barbera, including, uh, Aquaman Jabberjaw, uh, by, Dan Abnett, Paul Pelletier, and Andrew so Hennessy. Um, so good. <laughs> Black Lightning slash Hong Kong Fooey special. Oh, man, that's going to be uh, By Brian, Br- Brian Hill, Dennis Cohen, and Bell Sin- uh, Bill Sinkowitz. Um, the Flash slash Speed Buggy special by Scott Lobdell. Our <laughs> I didn't hear writer. about that. That's uh, funny. <laughs> no, fuck that. That's really funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Uh, Brett Booth and Norm Rapund. Uh and a Super Sons Dino Mutt special uh, by Peter J. Tomasi um, with uh, Fernando Passerin and Eau Claire Albert. Oh, that'll be fun. On, on art there. So that's what they've announced so far. 
I know that uh, some of you guys are big fans of those. I really enjoyed the Batman Elmer Fudd, which everyone else did too. So. Uh, we also happen to have a, a writer of one of the original books here on the show. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, that was, <laughs> I did one of those. That, <laughs> yeah, I loved the, the Green Lantern Space Ghost crossover. That was super cool. Thanks. Yeah. I, yeah, that's an, one of those books that, like, they're like, do you want to co-write this? And I was like, okay. Like, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I didn't know I, what to do with it. I was just like, well. This doesn't make any sense to me, but that's this. We figured out a way to make it work. So, um, hey, you told a fun story. Yeah, yeah. Like that's all it really needed to I be. I mean, that's the stuff. That's the work for hire stuff I like the most. Is like the ones where I'm just like, if if somebody had come up to me like seven years ago and told me like, oh yeah, you're gonna write Green Lantern and Space Ghost, or you're gonna write Kiss Meets Vampirella, like it'd be like okay. Like, <laughs> I must really suck now then because I, I have no interest in it now. But, like, yeah, it's like finding a way to – I mean, the, the most I knew about Space Ghost was basically the talk show. But, um, you know, uh, I found a way into all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, I'm pretty proud of, like, what we did. So um, I have yet to be fully embarrassed of a book I've done, so. That's possible. Yeah, yeah, it feels yeah, good. good. Like, I know there's one out there. It's gonna come for me, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really excited for this next batch for sure. I, I was a big fan of these. Yeah, and then Kale, I know you were a huge fan of this stuff too, right? Yeah, this Hong Kong Fui book, uh, I'm just so jazzed for. Um, Hong Kong Fui was my jam. Uh, the only one I'm super not looking forward to is the Flash and and Speed Buggy. Um. The creative team on that is just, uh, it's a team I just abhor. Not a Labdell fan? You have have an axe to grind. Right? Like, he never gets this fired up. (laughs) Uh, In other uh, awesome news, uh, Brian Hill uh, is going to be taking over Detective Comics. Uh, when James Tinian's time is up on that title. Um, so we just talked about him. He's going to be doing the uh, Hong Kong Fui one-shot. Um, and now he's going to be taking over this title. So huge stuff on the horizon for Brian Hill, uh, who I really like. And uh, Marco, I believe you also really like. So I'm happy to. I'm happy he's getting these opportunities. Yeah, definitely. His, his, his postal stuff is, like, great. So, like, yeah, yep. absolutely. Yep, postal. Um, and then, uh, last but certainly not least is that Gail Simone, uh, is writing a plastic man mini for DC. Um, it's, it's going to be a six issue mini series. Uh, and she's going to be working with Adriana Mello, who she has worked with, um, <clears throat> before on other projects, uh, like birds of prey. Um, and, uh, it's just going to sort of, chronicle some adventures of plastic man a character who uh no one knows the secret identity of um and uh i actually didn't know a lot about plastic man prior to this announcement so it was really interesting to learn that uh he was like not a a good person before he became plastic man yellow brian he was 
Yeah, he was a yep. He was like a low level Batman thug, like yeah. So uh, I, I'm really actually excited about this. I'm a huge fan of Gail Simone's. I you know I check for everything she does. Um, what do you guys oh. think about this? Oh, I thought it went hard. Yeah, hard. It's, it's real dank. <laughs> Kel, Kel, you want to say hard one more time? Hard. Oh. Oh, yeah, I no, I didn't like the way you said it that time. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. Listen, that's uh, that's you. That's, that's your fault. That's getting sampled. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I'm I'm also excited for this, but for different reasons. Um. I I just like the idea of this because it, it reminds me of um you know this stuff that got me into Tom King right is that like I'm not super familiar with this character but you know, this is a great talent and you know I I like uh the idea of it being like a, a self contained thing right that she's gonna come in tell her six issue story and then we'll move on it's like that's something that's easy to to want to commit to when it's somebody that is such a proven talent like Gail. Uh, Chris, does this excite you at all? Do you do you do you get jazzed up about announcements like this? Really? Uh, um, I mean, like, not really. Uh, I mean, like, unless it's something like super unique, I don't know. Like, I I, I definitely am looking forward to seeing more Plastic Man, and uh, like, I think Brian's a good writer, so I'm excited to see what he does on Detective. But yeah, I don't. Maybe I'm just like, uh, just like a jaded <laughs> idiot now, and I can't like get excited like I used. To. Who knows? Like, but like, no, I just think like, okay, unless there's something that I like clearly disagree with, and then I of course would never say that uh, uh, to anyone, but like a couple friends that I reserve to uh, make my my sniping comments too. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I like, I hope it's cool. Um, plastic man. I've always like, I feel like he's one of those characters that could do like Grant Morrison did a really good job with him in, in his JLA run. So I feel like he proves the adage that, you know, any character can be good if you, do it right so hell yeah all right so uh obviously we just talked about two creators who are you know working on some new stuff uh what's interesting about them and what's going to lead us into our main topic is the fact that gail is going to be writing or having books published for both marvel and dc uh, essentially at the same time because she stopped her her exclusive contract with DC ran out and now she's going to be writing Domino for Marvel and Plastic Man oh, that's for right. DC. Uh, <clears throat> and that, that made me think about exclusive contracts and how interesting it is uh, that writers like Brian Michael Bendis uh, and, and several others, so many others, <clears throat> uh, haven't had the opportunity to write for the quote-unquote competition and the seismic shifts that take place when these changes happen. Gail Simone was DC exclusive for so long, and now think about how exciting and fresh it is that she gets to write for Marvel again. And so I'm wondering if those exclusive contracts uh, and the lack of fluidity 
between writers and artists having the opportunities to work for both the big two and image and create our own projects. I wonder if that's a problem in the industry that we should be thinking about. I wonder if that's something that causes staleness. You think about Brian Bendis, this is something we've talked about on the show many times, the fact that he was writing for the same characters within the same wheelhouse for so long made it feel like his stuff was getting tiresome. What if he wrote for Superman 10 years ago instead of now? What if he could have always been writing for both the big two? How does that change things? Uh, so what are your thoughts on that on that idea? The first thing that sort of popped into my mind uh, was like, let's say Bendis was doing both like 10 years ago. They could, I mean, like with the weight he has as a, as a writer, like having um potentially doing new things with like what they used to do back in like the 80s and stuff where they'd have crossovers between two the the two kind of companies uh like uh i don't know if they've done it recently at all with uh marvel property and dc properties probably not but like uh i figured i figured like they might be more open to doing stuff like that with larger creators who they want to sort of flex their creative muscle a little a little bit and it might be more inclusive could like they they would have to be more inclusive uh if they would want to keep them writing for either one um that was just like an idea that popped up into my head but like i i think that's interesting just because i think these kind of deals like and you know obviously i i don't i'm I'm not a a comic book creator so I, i can't speak to um to the creative side of, of these deals, but I don't really see the value for you as a creator to be exclusive to one or the other, unless it's monetarily um, motivated, right? It's like, it's, it's consistent work. And I, I would imagine that they probably give those people a little bit more um, creative freedom or a little bit more clout to like pick things that they would like to work on um, rather than a freelancer. Right. But I, I think, Aside from that, it is, you know, probably creatively limiting, right? To be stuck in one place um, for so long as some of these people are. And like, you know, one of the things that Bendis said that motivated his move was that he'd written pretty much everybody at that point. You know, is that like how many major Marvel titles are there that he hasn't touched at some point, you know, or at least uh, written the characters. So... You know, I think to answer your um, your original question, Sean, like I I do think it would be beneficial to uh, not have these deals, but I don't think that I don't think that if they didn't exist, that that would like make the publishers play nice or anything. Like business is still business, you know. Right. So obviously, uh, we do have a creator uh, with us today who has written for both Marvel and DC. Um. And, and also does create our own stuff at the same time. So, Chris, uh, obviously, you know, you're still in the process of working on some level with, you know, with these, with these different companies and, you know, maybe there's stuff in the works we don't know, you know, stuff behind the scenes. Uh, what's the experience like going between working with Marvel, working with DC, and then also having your creator owned? projects in the mix and if you are willing to do you have any thoughts on exclusivity to one company 
versus the other and in with respect to the to how that it could be limiting to you and is that something you would be interested in if you're willing to talk about that sure uh i would totally be interested in that like and i feel like you know a main motivation for creators is that you know it is the rare time in comics that you um it's like as close as you can get to having like a real job type job um, where you are guaranteed that you are going to make this amount of money this year and you will have this amount of books uh, at a bare minimum um, is very comforting. Like, especially for, you know, people who are in freelance, it's like, Oh, I don't have to worry for the next year or two years. Like where my money is coming from. Like that's, uh, I would totally do that if, uh, if somebody was offering me, but you know, um, a lot of those have, you know, carve outs for image stuff. Um, like, uh, and I, you know, like, I think there's, there's probably some truth to the notion of like just working at one. Like, I mean, yeah, if you have the whole playing field of like both companies, then all's the better. But, um, I mean, I also think, like, to a certain degree that just, like, any work for hire can be draining after a while, for me at least. Like, um, like I, I don't know what I would do without, like, my creator on stuff. Like, and for me, that's, you know, my – that's a large focus for me. So, um so, yeah, like, that's how I keep things fresh for me is that, you know, all this, anytime I get to do stuff for Marvel or DC is like, that's super cool. But, um, you know, where my main heart is at is doing my own stories. And, um, but, you know, I haven't been given the opportunity to like, hey, here's a book for a year. Like, you get to pick the creative path. So, you know, I'm kind of talking out of my ass because... I don't know what that's like, but uh, for me right now, <laughs> can, oh, can go I, ahead. I was just like, just can I ask you a hypothetical question based on that? Sure. Because um, you say you wouldn't know what you would do without your your creator own titles, but you would be willing to go exclusive. Like, would that um, have to come with the caveat that you could still do independent work, or would you be willing to? Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I would definitely have to have you know like carve outs for. Like I can do, you know, this many, uh, image books a year or, you know, like there's, there's not, as far as I understand with these things, like there's only a certain amount of, uh, sort of flexibility you get and it all, you know, sort of depends on how well your exclusive is negotiated. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I would, I would have to, I mean, I couldn't just do, work for higher stuff. I mean, cause I also feel like to a degree that's, that's me being negligent of my future. Like this work for higher stuff can end at any time. Um, I mean, I think that's the other nice thing about an exclusive is like you're being guaranteed that like, Hey, like the rug's not going to get yanked out from under you. Uh, you know, um, because of whatever happens, um, so, um, but yeah, I feel like 
like I was talking about with when I had my freak out after finishing Injustice was like I got so used to that that I hadn't worked on you know my creator own stuff and I I hadn't been like building up a future plan so for me that stuff is like right now it's all very I don't know I think about it a lot because it, it like the idea of getting a big two thing is like I really want it but it also like kind of scares the hell out of me because. I don't want to get super comfortable, even though that's like my end goal in life is like, <laughs> I just want to get super comfortable. Um, I don't want to get like complacent and, uh, and like used to, Hey, I have this amount of money coming in. Cause it feels like, you know, what do I do when that ends? And like, you know, I it's, you know, it's like dating. It's like, Oh, well, I've been dating this one person for the last, you know, two years. Um, and now suddenly like we're broken up and I have to, you know, I have to suddenly redevelop my, uh, my skills to go out there and meet people and they're completely rusty. And I've just been, you know, I spent all this time learning how to deal with this one relationship and now that's gone and I got to, um, get back into the, yeah, it's a really mixed metaphor, but, um, no, I think that's like, honestly, a really apt analogy. Like, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I have friends, you know, uh, Matt Rosenberg and Ed Brisson are good friends of mine. And like, you know, um, they both got exclusives last year. Um, Donnie's also a friend of mine. He got an exclusive, like, uh, for me, it's complicated. Cause I'm just like, I feel like the fucking, like, uh, like the brown shoes uh, in a world full of tuxedos. Like, um, it's like, you know, uh, I just see like all my friends like, hey, I got an exclusive. We're like, hey, I'm doing like, I'm doing three books at Marvel. It's like, well, I'm doing four books at Marvel. And I'm just like, well, I got a one shot. I'm re- I wrote Ghost Rider for 20 days. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, it's also like, I don't know. It's hard for me to find sympathy for somebody for, you know, people saying like, Oh, it gets stale and stuff. And it's like, yeah, but like you have a buttload of money, like, um, and like you, you have your choice of books and stuff. So it's like, I don't know. Uh, but I, you know, I'm, I'm so far from that position. It's like me speculating, like what it'd be like to live on Mars. I don't, I don't know that you're quite that far off. Yeah. <laughs> It feels like it to me. Like it feels like you know I'm in a in a separate sphere that occasionally mingles with the uh, the big two hotshot sphere. Kale. Uh, I, in terms of like you know the the work getting stale or whatever, I I I, I guess I personally just don't buy that because it's like like one these contracts probably get revisited every couple of years or so right you know it takes a while for a comic to get produced so you're working on stuff steadily and you know you can't do everything in a couple of years in comics it's just that's not how that can work um i think uh in terms of like carving out a, a space for for like the independent stuff um f- i can say from personal experience in a sort of different context the uh 
one of the stipulations of of a contract and and I could be completely off base with the big two specifically, but um, there is a, a part of it that is like, you know, you can't work with direct competition. So, you know, you can't, I, I would imagine in the case of like Marvel and DC, like you couldn't take your ideas and pitch them to DC. But if I worked at like Titan, you know, I could go to boom with an idea or, you know, uh, image or, you know, only press for like a, a little bit more of a, uh, solid graphic novel approach. Yeah. I think with the exclusives, like they're much more cons any work for hire, I think pretty much gets bumped off the table unless you've already said like, Hey, I'm already contracted to do this, etc. Like, so I think like create your own stuff, uh, you know, you have to get a carve out, but, but any like other work for hire stuff, I think they pretty much put the kibosh on that. Which, which makes sense, uh, in the context of exclusivity. Um, one of the things that we've talked about on this show several times is the, uh, sort of, um, exodus of all these top level, uh, specifically writers away from the Marvel and DC machine. And, and sort of just living in the creator own space, right? Like the, it's a laundry list. Rick Remender, a huge example. Um, Jonathan Hickman, uh, Matt Fraction, basically. I mean, he's gone from like everything for the most part, but you yeah. know, um, Ed I mean, Brubaker. And even Kirkman, before he Kirkman. became a partner in Image, he was working at Marvel. Yeah. Vaughn, all these, you know, writers who you think of as the, some of the biggest names currently in comics don't put out anything at all for Marvel or DC. And they've managed to be huge successes in doing so. And that's fantastic. One of the things that I think about when I think about this topic uh, is would they have still made that choice to, to just completely abandon the big two system had they had the capacity to freely and fluidly work between both Marvel and DC and their creator-owned projects is that a is that a direction that the big two want to go to be able to lure these top level creators back into the fold on some level? Is it is it worth it for Marvel or DC to be able to pull Rick Remender in for a six month stint on a top level book and then have him leave over him not writing for them at all? I I would be surprised to find out that it wasn't more about like the experience those creators had in like the machine you know i i you know and obviously this is me speaking about creators uh you know who were around when i was only just a fan and not creating but especially back then i feel like the the machine was you know really arduous and it was hard to work in um, as opposed to the creator-owned space, uh, especially, you know, just before this latest image boom, um, where it was, yeah, do whatever you want. Sure, but, you know, when you, like, all these creators have talked about why they left, right? And going based on what they have said, it's, I want to tell this kind of story. 
I don't want to tell the story you want me to tell. I don't want to be forced or pigeonholed into only being able to write about this. I want to focus on my creator own stuff. That was Rick Remender's main point. And if he could write Batman for six months and leave and then go write uh, and then focus on low and uh, deadly class and whatever else for a couple years and then say, you know what? I have a great idea for an Avengers story. Marvel, do you want it? And they say yes. And he's there for a year and then he leaves and it's completely on the terms of the creator. That sounds like a huge sort of uh, opportunity for the, for the big two to get, to get, the creator at their sharpest because this is the story that they want to tell, but then also for the creator to be able to just do what they want to do. I think that's fantastic. There's a, there's a big discrepancy, I think, in this because I think if you're a younger writer who's still cutting their teeth in the industry, having an exclusive contract with a company like Marvel or DC is super, super alluring and super appealing because it's job security and benefits. You get healthcare and dentistry and stuff like that. Whereas if you are a higher profile author like Bendis or, or Remender, um, you, you're like your own brand at that point. Um, and, in, in, in fairness, I mean, look at Gail Simone. When you have a big enough profile, you have an opportunity to leverage companies like that with a story you want to tell. I mean, you've seen Grant, Grant Morrison do that kind of thing. You don't necessarily need to be exclusive. It's just a matter of pitching your story to that publisher um, if you have a story you really want to tell. You know what I mean? But we know that's not true because Grant Morrison dealt with creative uh with with, with editorial both during on, both on of his big runs yeah that's what, but that's what i'm saying gail gail simone has the opportunity now as a as a you know freelancer quote unquote to do plastic man and domino right so, so you mean like remember doing six months on batman the ongoing title uh i said yeah that. if he feels like it so I, to answer your question, Sean, I, I feel like that's such a um, – it's a bit of a loaded question because it really, I think, depends on who, who you're talking about. Because, like, like, the point you made, like, somebody like Remender, right? Like, he, like, doesn't really need to do anything else now, you know? Like, and I, I feel like when you're at that level, um, I, I can understand the uh, – to borrow a word that Phil just used, allure of not working on somebody else's stuff, of just building your own brand and um, you know, and focusing on on passion projects, right? Like as as much as you might be passionate about writing uh, Batman or, or anything, right? It's a take your pick. Like I, you know, I can understand. Um, and again, like something that Chris said, right? Like wanting to build stuff that supports your future and your right. brand and like is fulfilling creatively because it's the book you're choosing to write. Um, not cause you have, you know, like, and I'm sure that's different for every writer. Like there are some people like uh, Morrison who are really, really passionate about writing characters in the DC universe. Right. And I think like he probably does choose to, to do that stuff when he does. Cause he wants to, or like even with the DC black imprint stuff, right? Like you were commenting last week about how uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick has been doing independent stuff for 
years now. You know, like she walked away from the big two for a while to focus on image stuff because she was able to do that. And she's also was writing for television and, you know, uh, her and Fraction have their production company and like she was doing other things as opposed to doing work for the big two. And she's coming back now as a bigger name creator and decide and, you know, seemingly getting to do a book that is a passion project, right? In the Wonder Woman book that she's going to do, that is a more limited thing like you're talking about. Um, but she has that clout. Right. All, well, all the, all the creators that I'm talking about do have that clout. Right, right, so, right. So, and, and money's a thing, right? So, like, it, you're guaranteed, I would imagine, and maybe Chris can correct me if you know better, uh, you're gonna get a, a hefty chunk of change if you're writing for Marvel and have the security of being able to say, this book, it's Avengers. It's, it's me. I'm Rick Remender. I'm, I'm a huge name. This book's gonna sell. I'm gonna make, money off of this who doesn't want that that check you know if it's a story you feel like telling so in my mind and i really want to hear uh, chris's perspective after in my mind that's a no-brainer it's a no-brainer as a creator to be able to say i'm going to keep doing the creator own things that i love to do but have the opportunity when i want to to go and do a short thing over at the big two, make that paycheck and tell a story that I care about telling. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like the reason all these people stop doing big two work has nothing to do with like the fact that it's like now they have more choice than ever to do whatever they want. And the majority of them are choosing to continue working on their own stuff. I think it's more a result of like, um, you know, working for other people, uh, ultimately, like if you can find a way to sustain yourself and you're working only for your, like, even in freelance, you know, you find yourself having to work for other people. Um, you know, if you can get yourself to the level where it's like, oh yeah, I sustain myself with, you know, books that I own a hundred percent of, I control what happens to the media, um, you know, like, whereas the trade-off with doing big two stuff is like, okay, you have to submit to editorial. You have to make sure that your books align with continuity that's decided by people who aren't you and can occasionally have, like, zero regard for what you're working on. Um, like, you know, I think it's just burnout after a certain point and you just, you know, it's like, do I want to take you know uh, and i feel like every creative at a certain point you know that it's not that your ability goes away but i feel like they that's a thing that i think every creative lives with the fear of is that like you know you you see it in all like your favorite musicians or directors or writers like you know some of them just like turn to garbage and you're like is that going to happen to me and it's like if that is going to happen to me i better you know I better put put my best work into the stuff that matters the most to me, the stuff that, you know, I fully create and I completely own. Um, like that's how I think about it is that, you know, there will come a day where like, you know, I can't do this anymore. And like, what do I want to have on my shelf? Do I want to have, you know, uh, crossovers that, you know, uh, people forgot six months later and, you know, one-offs and, you know, uh, just weird 
disconnected stuff like that or do I want to have like more of a full library of like, Hey, I had this idea and I turned it into, you know, three volumes or four volumes. And I think for a lot of these creators that ultimately what it comes down to is, you know, controlling your own destiny. And, but I also feel like most of these creators would not be at that level if they hadn't had the, you know, it's a, it's a catch 22. Like you, you sort of need the big two work to build yourself up big enough to, you know, have your image book get a shitload of orders and that helps sustain that for you. So it's a bunch of like complicated math, but I think the fact that like, you know, the majority of these creators are not coming back, uh, to the big two is, you know, proof that like, even if, if everybody was like, yeah, you can play for either team and we're cool with it. Like it's still, it's still playing for someone else's team and not your own. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, I think you're, you're, you're probably right on the money. Um, it's just, it's just, it's fascinating. It's, it's, it's yeah. Fascinating yeah. And I think, you know, there's, uh, I don't know. I find it interesting, like these sort of wars that the big two go through every now and again, where, you know, like, as you forget just like how sort of ingrained that like DC and Marvel versus Marvel stuff was growing up. Like it, it, it it certainly feels a lot less like divided, but then you have stuff like this and it reminds you like, Oh yeah. Like there, there've always kind of been at war. So, you know, you see these like little exclusive battles go on and it's like, there's, I don't know. There's something enjoyable about seeing these two corporations still like, kind of like taking little pot shots at each other. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So unless anyone else has anything to add, I think we can, uh, leave it on that note from Chris. Um, yeah. So if you have any, any, uh, thoughts you want to add to the conversation and you're listening in, uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Would you love to see a situation where creators have more freedom to flow between, uh, the, uh, big two, or do you love to see extended lengthy periods of creators having exclusive contracts, uh, like a Scott Snyder or a Brian Bendis, um, where they're really in that wheelhouse. Or does it not even matter to you? Um, there are a lot of people who only read uh, comics that they care about based on the name of the character attached. So uh, I'm really interested to hear what our listener base is like and why you follow books. Um, and there are plenty of ways you can reach out to us. Uh, you can leave us a comment, of course, on iTunes Apple podcast services, um, or, or SoundCloud. Um, you can also get us at the comics pals on social media. Uh, you can write to us at the comics pals at gmail.com, uh, where you can comment on our main topic or anything we talked about on this or any other episode of the comics pals. Uh, we are on YouTube where you can leave this video a like, share it with your friends and subscribe to our channel for more exclusive content. Um, And, of course, you can leave us a comment on there, which everyone loves to do. uh, And we appreciate that so much, of course. Um, And, again, I do want to reiterate, uh, we have the All-Star Superman Book Club dropping in May. So stay tuned for – I'm sorry, in April. uh, Dropping in April, so stay tuned for that. Uh, We're really excited for that one. So um, Phil's hosting that that particular episode. So it's sure to be crappy. Huh? Um, (laughs) 
Uh, and with that, we're going to do some plugs. Uh, Chris, start us off. Thank you so much for joining us. Let us know where people can find your work, where they can keep up to date with what's coming out from you and everything else. Um, best place to find me is uh, either my website, which is semi-regularly updated, uh, which is ChristopherSabella.com or uh, Twitter is where I'm on usually, and that's at xtop. X T O P. Um, and yeah, I guess like book plugs is like cold war is two issues are out right now. Um, it'll at least go to five issues. Um, and then Shanghai red, which is my first, uh, image central book coming out in June. Uh, so please order that because I like money. <laughs> <laughs> And then when will we be able to pre-order Crowded? Uh, Crowded, we are just finishing up or like we just sort of, we're like halfway through issue three. So we're hoping to get that solicited uh, sometime in like April. So coming out in like August or so. Awesome. So summer of Sabella. Yeah, knock wood. (laughs) You'll be really tired of me by this time next year. (laughs) <laughs> impossible <laughs> uh, Pete cool uh, thank you guys again for joining us here on another episode of the Comics Pals if you want to get more content from me remember you can catch me and Sean on our sister show the Video Game Pals uh, which posts the day after this show on uh, podcast services and uh, goes up on the same schedule on uh, YouTube so you can uh, go check that out if you're a gamer and uh, you want to hear us talk about video games got a fun show packed for us tomorrow uh, and then um, you can also catch me, Marco, and Kale over on our Riverdale Review show, aptly titled The Riverdale Review. Um, <laughs> and uh, then you can get me on social media, at loud underscore Pete. And, uh, oh, check out my writing at CBR, right? Forgot about that. Um, got a new list out this week um, about, uh, I think it's eight episodes um, where Pokemon snuck by censors and seven where it got banned. Uh, fun little trip down memory lane watching the original season of Pokemon again so uh, go check that out help me make some money and pay some bills and um, and then remember do uh, go follow me over on Twitch too twitch.tv slash loudpeat been uh, playing games with Thompson it's been fun awesome Kale you can find my comics at panels publishing on comiXology and panels publishing dot com oh boy oh my that sounds god right, <laughs> that sounds right <laughs> You don't even know. No, you I don't, don't even know. Um, I was on the Longbox podcast this week. We uh, talked about Identity Crisis, um, and it was a real disillusioning episode for me. <laughs> um, long time, long time listeners might know that uh, that was a favorite book of mine, and boy, it has not aged well. Uh, much like me. Uh, You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto Into. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. Marco? You can find me at Mr. Marco Animoto on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I have the shortest plugs, I think. Uh, Shout out to Kale because he gave me a recommendation for Batman, for Robin and Batgirl Year One. Uh, I just finished reading it. Really good stuff. Uh, Go pick it up. Phil? Um... Sean and I have a WrestleMania episode uh, special coming out in about a month, so you can be ready for that, John. Um, otherwise... Yeah, John, get you, ready. You can follow me <laughs> at Cyborg Bebop on all social media, and just remember, Dark Side is...
awesome. Uh, and you can talk to me about anything we've talked about on this episode or anything you feel like talking about on Twitter only at Sean Soapbox. Uh, so huge, huge thank you to Christopher Sabella for joining us. Uh, always a pleasure to have you on the show, man. And of course, you're always welcome. Uh, you're definitely a f- uh, family here at the Comics Pals, and you know we enjoy any time we get to talk to you. So good luck with everything, thanks. and uh, I'm sure we'll talk again real soon. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Absolutely. Uh, and for everyone else, we are the Comics Pals signing off. Take care, guys. See ya next week. Bye. Thanks for listening. Some dude named John just got his underwear blown off. <laughs>